warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 186. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. And I'm a leftover. That's right, we have no Jake this week. But I am joined by Left Out Frank. Stop! Him a time! All right, so Frank is with me this week. And we're joined by a very special guest. First time on the podcast, Mr. Joe Stark. What's up, guys? Yeah, what's up, man? You know, I don't have a bumper for you. (laughs) Nope. No. (laughs) No bumper for you. Sorry. But yeah, Joe Stark joining us from Starkcast. It's been a long time coming. Uh, you've, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I've, I've been wanting to do is, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, new podcasts have kind of like, uh, sprouted up, you know, recently. A lot of our, a lot of our friends in the Leftover Army have been making their own podcasts and, and they've been sprouting up all over left and right. So I've been wanting to get some people on here to get some different voices and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've, I listened to another podcast and they, uh, they were talking about like how their listeners, how they would never have them on the podcast, you know, and, uh, you know, no, nobody wants to listen to that. Nobody wants to listen to that. And, uh, you know, Hey, that works for them, but I think our listeners are pretty interesting and, uh, I'm very happy to have you on the show, uh, Joe. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're going to dive into everything this week. Uh, but, uh, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about, uh, your podcasts. And yes, I used plural. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Um, so yeah, I do, uh, I do a standalone show called Starkcast. It's just kind of long form conversations. And I have people on, we chat for like two to three hours about basically whatever comes up. It's, um, Vitaly called it a stream of conscious. <laughs> I kind of like the sound of that. Um, <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the, and we get into a variety of topics on that too. I mean, it's, it's gone anywhere from like real deep science stuff with a, with my first episode was with a guy that's got a PhD in physics 
and you know all the way up to just you know bullshitting about comics and stuff it's it's been kind of a fun ride and and the other one i do with uh jordan leakin from the supercast and that's called uh the comic cast and we talk about uh comic books in our poll list pretty wide variety of uh marvel dc some uh some image stuff and and uh talk some of the comic book news and stuff with that as well yeah i was listening to uh you know speaking of the supercast i was listening i was i was listening to the guardians of the galaxy episode and they should have titled it Supercast in Shade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. A little bit? No, they they no, they were they were favorable. It just didn't get Tupperwares. So, you know, or yeah. or Jedi's, excuse me. So, yeah, anyway. Uh yeah, so thanks for joining us, Joe. Awkward moment there. Uh no, no nobody wants to I was shocked a little bit. I'm like, somebody didn't love this? No, I just I just, just I was like hoping maybe somebody would like join in on the supercast bashing and they're like there's nothing. <laughs> Fucking and it wasn't bashing. Those no. guys I listen to them every week. They know I enjoy their show, so Jesus. Oh, I mean those guys know I love I mean and you know, I talk with Jordan all the time, obviously. But yeah, I was mowing my lawn listening to the episode, and like arguing out loud. I'm like, "How did you not love this fucking movie, guys?" Right, right, right. Yeah, is <laughs> what it is. Yeah, but he'll, he'll he loves he loves these DC movies before they even come out, man. This oh, oh god, man. yeah. So yeah, I'm fucking with you, Jordan. Uh, let's see here, guys. It's uh, it's Mother's Day. This is true. It's, mo- it's Mother's Day. So uh, I am thankful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Happy Mother's Day, motherfuckers. So my 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 mom uh shoots me shoots me over a text and uh it's a it's a bouquet of flowers and I'm like, "Whoa, I didn't, I didn't send those." <laughs> and so my 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 mom actually got a a bouquet of flowers uh that was actually supposed to go to a different mother. Um and it was sent from Jeffrey and Morgan. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, ah, oh, man, I was just like, man, I, I know I, somewhere out there, Jeffrey and Morgan are sending like a, are giving like a one star Yelp review for this florist, whoever they <laughs> bought it from. Cause I can't, oh my gosh, can you, that poor mother, like the, the, you know, ah, oh, that poor mother. Cause you know, usually like they get the flowers and then they call the kids. These kids are waiting mm-hmm. around for the call. They're not getting the call from mom. Right. What's they're going to have to do the awkward call out. Yeah. Hey, you know mom's doing fucking piss. Like, they fucking forgot me. No. And, she, and then she's like, what flowers? Oh, likely excuse. Classic Jeffrey and Morgan. <laughs> and I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if they had a kid, another kid named Dean? It would be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So well, how how'd you guys uh, celebrate your Mother's Day? What'd you do? Uh, me, I went with uh, Kelly and my two kids to go see her mom uh, about an hour away. I spent a lot of time in the car today, and we just had a uh, little dinner at a little Italian restaurant in a podunk town of about 2,000 people. So yeah, that's what we did. I, 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 keep, I keep thinking that Joe Stark like, like uh, got his wife a gift and then like, Put it on top of a mountain and made her climb for it or some shit. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. If you guys don't know, I got your present, but it's fifty feet up that wall. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna make you love my passion one way or the other. Um, no, that. Yeah. If our listeners don't know that, uh, that's what Joe's into. You're into. You're into like rock climbing. Correct. 
Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See, that's one of those things. You can talk about it, and I will sit here all day and go, oh, cool, cool. But, like, dude, I literally know nothing about it except for what I've seen in the movie Cliffhanger and Vertical Limit. That's it. <laughs> and those are shockingly accurate representations, I must say. Really? <laughs> No. <laughs> I was like, are you, dude, no, no. I, you know what? I'm going to commend you on your sarcasm there. Cause like you totally like wrapped me in. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause like Stallone's just hanging there with like one arm, you know, showing, right. the, showing off the biceps and everything. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Oh, there are dudes that can do that. Oh, I'm sure. Like, like the, 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 the one with cliffhanger that's always funny that gets bandied about is you remember he's got that gun that's hanging off his harness he's able to just put it against the wall and fire it and it just like knocks like a piton or something into the wall that he clips his rope into yeah that's total fantasy right oh okay yeah like yeah. you gotta you gotta hang there and drill a hole and fucking pound something into it and it sucks you gotta find it <laughs> it's hard i don't know some of that terminology is getting me interested well <laughs> they've got to find ways to make rock climbing look sexy you know what i mean because <laughs> when it comes down to it all it is is just you're climbing up a rock, right? I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. 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 No, it, I mean, no, you're pushing yourself beyond your limits. And I think that's cool. Like, like, uh, and it's actually, it's very metaphorical. You know what I mean? Getting to the summit and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, all that shit. Um, which is why, <laughs> which is, which is why I'm like on flat ground in Illinois. So. <laughs> Oh, man. I spent my Mother's Day just watching uh, breastfeeding videos on uh, YouTube. So what? <laughs> it's always time well spent. Yeah, no, it's 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 motherhood. I'm, I'm celebrating Mother's Day by watching. No, I, I watch pornography, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that though? That's the thing with uh, they can get away with nudity on YouTube if it's uh, breastfeeding videos. Did you know that? No, I did not. I didn't know that either. I was watching Tosh.0, and he uh, interviewed this woman who does, like, these breastfeeding videos. Um, very attractive woman, and he had her on the show. And I was like, oh, my gosh. They're talking about, like, basically how you can just – it's because it's it's natural. And so, like, they don't censor it. It's, you know, it's it's like, you know, a booby out there in nature. And so, like, you know, like National Geographic magazines when we were kids and shit. They didn't, you know, there was no blurs in it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you think this was going to be the show you'd walk in on Stark? We're talking about breastfeeding. <laughs> Do you guys talk about breastfeeding? Well, this is an episode with Frank, so anything's yeah. on the table, right? That's true. Now that you mentioned National Geographic, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever saw a pair of tits. Oh, I know. It was it, 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 honestly, I wanted it to be my last time. When <laughs> I was looking at him like this is not all it's cracked up to be. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Like people are after their shit. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Just like, like um, people look hungry. This is not turning me on at yeah, all. Yeah, <laughs> just, just basically like think of like Dalsum from uh, Street Fighter Two with like <laughs> saggy tits, and that's basically what you got from those magazines. It's absolutely disgusting. So. Yeah, they're they're not model material. It's like kind of like torpedo tit syndrome all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those things are pointing straight down to the ground, man. Yeah, it's a belly button between them. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> I can paint a picture. <laughs> if you're the if you if you're the guy watching breastfeeding videos. You know, I can understand women watching them, getting tips, you know, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're yeah. the, 
you got to be a different kind of guy to have that fetish, right? Oh, yeah. There's people that fucking like fucking drinking that shit, like adults. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a little fucked up. Well, the, 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 <laughs> see, the woman that they had on the, on, the, on Tosh, like, her kids were, like, not babies. Like, you're talking, like, these kids are going to school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that uh, <laughs> because my wife breastfed her daughter, and, like, you get all sorts of information and shit about this stuff. And there's, like, a group of people, I think it's called, like, the Lalesh League or something like that. And they, they, they do massive, like, hardcore promotion for people to do this past, like, the age of two and three. Because, like, there's medical benefits and, and that shit yeah. to it. Some of that shit is, like, really creepy yeah. that they get into. Yeah, it has, you know, vitamins in it, and it's supposed to, like, make the kids, like, good for their brains and, I don't know, good for their development and stuff like that, you know? Next thing you know, you're like that kid on fucking Game of Thrones, eight years old, still sucking on mommy's boob. Why aren't Flintstones? Yeah. Vi- why aren't Flintstones vitamins shaped like nipples? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> they were already tasty. That'd get me taking my vitamins. Yeah, it'd just be like an easy transition <laughs> for the kids. Like, oh, I know this. I, yeah, I've been biting. I've been biting down on these for years. <laughs> give, me, give me some of that. Right. But then you'd have people like me grabbing a couple of them at the dinner table, sticking them on either side of my face, going... And, you know, they should all be different shapes and sizes, right? Yes, and colors. And colors. (laughs) Oh, no, I got the National Geographic edition. Ah. (laughs) I I wondered why these were 50% off. Ah. They expire in a couple days. Ah, These are... <laughs> yeah. Like when you buy a box of cereal and there's a toy surprise inside, you're always hoping to get the Sports Illustrated edition instead of that National Geographic one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, we're not going to do iTunes reviews. We do have them. Uh, we'll wait for Jake to come back to read those. Jake enjoys those. Uh, I think we got like seven more, Frank. Really? Yeah, we got like it's been two. Oh. It's been two weeks. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to talk real quick. Uh, I'm doing a new, another uh, recap show, and uh, I think we're going into our third episode. Yeah, third episode tomorrow, American Gods After Show. So check that out on iTunes. And uh, let's see here. The other thing is Bite Sized Leftovers is now on iTunes. So you can subscribe and listen to all our Bite Sized Leftovers bumpers. They're basically like three to five minute uh, little mini podcasts that we do throughout the week. Frank, you've been doing them. And uh, yeah, like uh, you had one where you're talking about uh, putting your dick on something. And <laughs> like that's your that was your first bumper. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, um, Lena from Bumpers. Uh, I, I, I hope she did not listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, hopefully if somebody did check on it, they'd just be looking at those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that after I did it. I'm like, maybe I should have started with something a little bit softer or introduced <laughs> myself or maybe warned somebody who hasn't been listening to the show that long. Right, right. But no, yeah, I didn't do any of that. I just said, here you go. Right. <laughs> right yeah. on your name badge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite the introduction, Frank. So yeah, you know. sorry about that. I did follow it up with a couple of like more decent ones, so I, I hope I didn't scare anybody away. I didn't. I honestly, I did not care. I was just like, ah, 
this is what our listeners want to hear. I don't know. I don't care about anybody else, but this is what our listeners want to hear. They want to hear about Frank putting his penis on stuff. Um, Dude, my life is full of stories. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more. So yeah, uh, you can download, uh, bite sized bumpers, uh, bite sized leftovers on bumpers. Uh, you can get the app or you can just do it on, I- on, uh, iTunes. Uh, Joe, you're doing these bumpers too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing, you're not doing Startcast. You're just kind of like, uh, just, uh, just winging it and doing comic reviews and you're doing, I, I know you, you had your son on there, Aiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was it when we were at Adventureland. That was pretty fun. Oh my God, Aiden's hilarious! You sent me some uh, some of those clips that I'm going to use for my other podcast. Not this week, but it'll be next week because I'll have some time next week to where I can put together, and it's going to turn out great, man. Those were those were amazing. So I I thank you so much. Those are so awesome. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, quick little Aiden story for you. Uh, yesterday we come in the house and my wife goes to get into our pantry, and some big buzzing insect flew out at him, and so my wife jumped back and Aiden goes. What the fuck? <laughs> Keep in mind, he's nine years old. And he's like, he never, like, he doesn't even say crap. And he looks at my wife and goes, I think, I feel that this was an appropriate time to say that. <laughs> <laughs> now what, okay, so what happened in that instance? Like, were you, you weren't there. It was just your wife. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just outside. I was coming in carrying and stuff. Okay, so like, what so happened? I walked in on the aftermath. <laughs> Was it was it was it laughter or was it just like was it total shock? It was shock followed by laughter because uh, Lindsay said that well that's exactly what I was thinking at that time so I said yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it turned out to be a big June bug too. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. was a big insect. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what bugs scare the shit out of me? Locust that. locusts. Oh yeah, they're, nasty. Well, they're creepy. They're weird. Yeah, I you, you know you never see them. They they don't they don't do a lot though. As far as like movement, they just kind of like sit there. But if those things yeah. are like up and around moving, those things are scary as hell. They look like uh, prehistoric, you know. Mm-hmm. Looks like. And then you never sometimes you can't tell how many there are. Yeah. Until you find all their fucking shells laying on the ground yeah. from yeah. where they molted. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we had a, uh, when I was a kid, I, I used to like climbing trees. I, we had this huge pine tree out in front of the house and like my dad had went into it and like cut some of the branches on the inside. So it was almost like a little pine tree fort. And I used to climb, oh, cool. yeah, I used to climb all the way to the, up to the top of it and freak my neighbors out and then you know, they'd make <laughs> me come down. But like, yeah, they would like locusts would just like lay their, like they'd have their nests in there. They'd lay their eggs and then they'd leave their shells there. And they just looked like, oh God, they're just so creepy looking. They scared the shit out of me. So, you know, like when I was a kid, I was like a lot more brave. I used to pet bumblebees on the back because I didn't know any better. Oh, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, they, I watched a, uh, watched a, uh, like a three, two, one contact when I was a kid. They were like, yeah, you know, if you can, you can pet bees and bumblebees as long as you don't have any fear, you can pet them on the back. And so I was like, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that because I was a dumb fucking kid. And so <laughs> I was, I had no fear because I saw it on TV. You know, you got to believe everything you see on TV. So I'm petting a bumblebee on the back. The next year I come back out, you know, the bees are back out. And I remembered what I did the year before, and I was a lot more educated in bees, and I found out that they could sting. And I thought to myself, what in the heck was I doing? <laughs> Rush 
roulette. Yeah, so I never did it again. You know, we're 15, 16 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the content, so we're going to hear some pissing and moaning about that shit. But, uh, yeah, you know what? We're, let's do that. Let's jump into the content this week. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. And it's playing through the speakers on my fucking... Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Guys, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, technical difficulties have been fixed. Yeah, that's Word. The kind, of, kind of show that we run here. Good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. You know, it's Mother's Day, and all we did was talk about uh, breastfeeding. <laughs> you know, like, there, there was no no official announcement out there, like, thanking all the mothers out there. Nothing. Nothing. We went straight to boobs. I did. <laughs> and that fucked up? That's a little fucked up, right? Eh. Of course, I'm not going to fucking argue with it. I'm, you know, I'm thankful for boobs. So, thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, right now they're like, you're acting like a fucking boob, Brian, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I want to, uh, for good pop, bad pop, I wanted to start off with, uh, I, I really don't have a lot to say about these first two things. They're both on Netflix. Uh, I've only watched uh, the first two episodes of uh, Dear White People, but uh, mm-hmm. it's about a uh, predominantly white Ivy League college, a diverse group of students navigate various forms of racial and other types of discrimination. And basically, like in the first episode, you find out that uh, there was this like on-campus party um, at this Ivy League college, which, like it says, predominantly white, where they have, I guess, I think they want, I think they call it like a blackface party, where people they I, they don't wear blackface, but they dress up like uh, famous. Uh, African Americans, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then some of the, uh, the black students on campus crash the party and are really offended and can't believe that this is going on. And, uh, it's, it's so far, I'm two episodes in. It's got some comedy. It's, it's really interesting. I, I enjoy it. Uh, the girl that's like one of the leaders for the, uh, you know, the, some of the black students there. Uh, come to find out that she's secretly dating a white guy named Gabe. So it's, uh, and he looks like the, like a white boy, you know, like poster model or something. So like a Calvin Klein model. So like this doesn't go over well. And, um, I don't know. I, I'm two episodes in. I'm going to give it uh, a high taste it so far. I think the message is a Tupperware though. I think uh, everybody should be watching this and at least giving it a few episodes. I'm just not tearing through it, um, you know, but, uh, I, I, you know, I steadily get back to it, but it's, 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 it's really good so far. So check it out. Dear white people on Netflix. Next thing I want to talk about is the, uh, Norm McDonald, um, Netflix special. It's the comedy special, him doing stand up, And I think it's called like Hitler's, oh, nice. it's called like Hitler's dog or something. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm about, about 30 minutes in, I'm halfway through and it's, Okay, I'm not like dying laughing. It's not as good as like 
the Bill Burr stuff or, you know, some of the other Netflix specials that have come out recently. Even the, uh, um, I can't even think of his fucking name. Um, Chappelle, Dave Chappelle special that just came out recently. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm half an hour in and it's kind of like on in the background. I'm not like dying in laughter, but I, I love Norm Macdonald. Don't get me wrong. I think the guy's hysterical, but I'm hoping like the last half hour gets better, but, uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, all right. So, uh, Frank, what do you got? I had picked up that Rick and Morty comic that came out. Yeah. That, uh, let me see, what was it? Uh, Oni, I think, published. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah, uh, I, I bought the first trade, and I really like it. I'm going to give it a high taste it. I think there's something about just the medium itself without having like justin roiland and the timing and stuff that keeps it from being like a tupperware it's still really funny it's still written in the same vein and it feels like rick and morty and it looks like it and everything it's just you know different medium uh i I don't find myself laughing out loud near as much as i did watching the show but still i mean the the jokes and stuff that are in there are really cool um i I really liked it i I hope they keep going with it because it's a great way to get more content for rick and morty especially since we don't get a lot of it even though we got season three coming up but uh i I picked it up off of amazon the actual physical copy if i remember right was like 14 bucks and i really liked it quite a lot i don't read a lot of comics but it held my attention and i was doing like the voices out loud too which was fun for me so I thought it was really cool. High tasted. I definitely check it out, especially if you're a fan of the TV show. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's weird, like, because uh, I was, I picked that one up, and I also get the regular show comic. And I mean, yeah, they're good. It's just, it is different because it's not, you know, it's not Justin Roiland, and you know, with the regular show, it's not JG Quintel. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's different people doing it. But, you know, it's cool because, like, you know, I don't say the voices out loud like a fucking uh, <laughs> psychopath, but, like, I do I do have their voices in my head. And I think that mm. I think that kind of helps a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick and Morty comic, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Joe, what do you got? Uh, I've been reading, well, a lot of comics lately, but the one I wanted to talk about is uh, The Wild Storm, which is a DC imprint. And it's a uh, kind of a reissue on the Wildstorm universe that Jim Lee had come up with in the early 90s for Image. And then he sold it to uh, DC. And it's got um, – okay, so it's on its third issue right now. And it is it, – it just each issue, it just keeps getting better. And the art in it has been really good. Uh, it starts off with this lady walking down the street and – She's like in a lot of pain and she's kind of tracked down her employer and she's talking to him, trying to get more resources her way. You come to find out that she's like a researcher in a lab. And then as she's walking away, this guy falls out of this building. And so she's like, oh, shit, I got to do it. And all these like metal shards come out of her body, like through her skin, like cutting her. So she's bleeding and stuff. And it forms this big exosuit over her and she flies up in the air, catches this guy tosses him in another window and then flies off right away. And so now all these different, she's like right in the middle of a power struggle now because she basically foiled an assassination attempt. And it's really cool. I'd never had any previous experience with any of the Wildstorm universe or anything. And like, have you ever heard of the character Grifter? 
Yeah, yeah. He's one, yeah. Of, the, he's one of the characters in it. Yeah. And so I'm I'm still getting to know a lot of it, but the art in it is so good. It, it's it kind of takes place in like a parallel reality to where people have had contact with aliens and like there's lots of like weird like metahuman activity and stuff. So mm-hmm. it falls right in line with DC, even though it didn't really start out as a DC book. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so it went over from Image to DC. Is it Jim Lee doing in the book? Uh, he's not doing it, but um, when it when it was um, – let me grab one of them here. Of course, I don't memorize who's doing it. Warren Ellis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's yeah he's writing it. Oh. Yeah. So who's doing the art? Uh, John Davis Hunt. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not and, familiar uh, with him. The three issues I've got so far, I got the Jim Lee variant covers, and they are really slick. Nice, nice. So, okay, hold on. Like, uh, let, let me backtrack to like the story that you were telling here of this woman. And uh, so, hold on. Like, see, blades come out of her body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the suit is like residing subcutaneous, but when it activates, it actually like cuts out through uh, her skin and okay. like a, you know, like a hundred places. All right, and then all pieces together outside of her body and then when she's done using it it goes back in gotcha gotcha okay does she is she like bleeding all over the fucking place when this is happening she's bleeding through the suit and oh so, shit yeah and you come to find out that that's why she was talking to that guy she was trying yeah. to get extra resources because she wants this thing out of her yeah she like put it in herself as like a test subject she put yeah. that oh so she she knew how it was gonna work right that you see, and you're just getting it pieced together as it goes. Ah. And so it's only three, three, three issues in so far. Yeah. So you know we don't even have a full like paperback trade yeah. worth of a story yet. Yeah. Oh wow. But, I mean, it's been really riveting so far. Well, at least it's the, the suit was working when she. So she's flying, right? She flies. Yeah. Okay. So at least the suit was working enough to where it made like the actual suit. Because if she would have started flying up and the blades are still out and she caught that guy, you know, that defeats the purpose. <laughs> you know, catches him and just dices that guy up. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, just like a, a guy, like, uh, you know, on a spit at that point, you know, just fucking. Her superhero name would be the porcupine. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible power to have <laughs> when you if you if, you know it's like that's the last guy you send to rescue somebody like yeah so <laughs> hey porcupine you're gonna sit this one out um they but, get into a group fight with a giant villain and like for the first half of it she's just stuck to the guy's body i can't yeah. do anything right yeah uh let's see here what you got anything else um yeah so that if that's my good pop then my bad pop would be <sighs> Justice League Rebirth has been freaking atrocious so far, and it breaks my heart because I feel like as a writer, if you're given like the premier flagship DC characters, the Justice League, and you're shitting the bed every two weeks, it's it's just bumming me out. And it's gotten to the point where last last week I canceled it off my pull list. Who's writing that book now? It's not, is it Jeff John still? No, no. Okay. It's uh, Brian Hitch. Yeah, because he's, he's writing and doing the art, and yeah. I don't have much experience with this uh, with this writer. But, I haven't looked him up to see what else he's done. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a great artist. Uh, you know, um, yeah, the art in the books is pretty. Yeah, good. he does. He's he's done a lot of art for Marvel in the past. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that's why I was like, I was trying to figure out like who's doing that book because Jeff Johns, when he did it for the new Fifty Two, it was actually pretty good. So that's what I'd heard. Yeah, it was him and uh, Jim Lee doing that book, and that was like their flagship book. You know, you get Jeff Johns and Jim Lee doing a title together. That's amazing. So yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know what he has over an executive at DC or something, why they've let him be on for 20 issues so far. Um, I know coming up they're going to have another uh, person come in mm-hmm. to do some other storyline, and I don't know if it's going to be temporary or I, – I hope it's permanent. I just – I'd like to see this guy off the book, and I usually don't say that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's this guy doing wrong that like it seems like all the solo books are doing right right now? Because like the – I'm hearing great things about, uh, you know, like – the Rucka Wonder Woman, you know, I'm hearing that the Joshua Williamson Flash is okay. I'm hearing Superman's fantastic and Super Sons mm-hmm. is great. I'm hearing all these, all these things. What's this book doing wrong? The the story the story arcs that he's come up with aren't that riveting, and he's the characters as he writes them do not match the way they act in their individual stories. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's not really capturing the personalities the right way. He does a really good job with the art. I mean, occasionally he draws Wonder Woman with a, like this horrific man face, but it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank yeah. goodness. But the storylines have just not been there. They've been really, really boring, mm. or they're just way too overcomplicated. And at the end of it, it's you know, I would almost like to see them do Justice League as something that only comes together in events. Like, do you really need an ongoing Justice League book on top of all the other individual books? But yeah, I'm I'm probably just saying that just because I'm so disillusioned by Hitch at this point. Yeah, I think I think you I I think that's probably it because I, I enjoy a great Justice League book because like you get to get these characters kind of like together and for like the one person that can't afford like each individual book like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, Cyborg. If you can't afford all these individual books, you can just get this one book and kind of like get everything that you want, but that book has to be good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I totally get it. That's uh that sucks, man, cuz like I've been hearing and everything else has been great coming out of Rebirth. Yeah, they did a Justice League versus Suicide Squad crossover that was written by um, by Joshua Williamson, and that was fantastic. Yeah, nice. And nice. it's uh, and you know, yeah, he's he's also doing Flash, and he's doing great on that. But uh, I just like to see him have somebody in that could just do justice to the Justice League. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Zack Snyder in there, right? Uh, oh God. <laughs> You had to pull that thread. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to talk about the uh, the Blade Runner 2049 trailer that uh, dropped. Was it last week? Yeah, it was, I think it was last week, this past week. And um, did you get a chance to see this, Stark? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, Frank, you didn't get a chance to see this? No, no, I suck ass. Okay. <laughs> So, what did Joe? What did you think? Have you watched the original Blade Runner from 1982? Not since I was a kid. Me, dude, it's been a long time for me too, and I need to, I need to watch it again. Um, it's been, I'd say, it's been 15 plus years since I've seen it last. <laughs> so, and then trying to figure out which cut of the movie to watch is kind of a chore. So, yeah. 
but yeah, um, yeah, I've heard it can get kind of confusing. Yeah. So, uh, what did you what did you think of this trailer? I thought visually, it's it's there. It, it looked really really cool. I loved all the big giant holograms in it that mm-hmm. it kept showing mm-hmm. as like a means of advertising. Kind of brought me back to some of that crazy stuff that you were seeing in Minority Report. Yeah. You know, like you, you, everywhere they'd walk, there'd just be holograms everywhere selling them and stuff. And in this one, it's like they took it a step further in these big giants. Right. And uh, it looks like it's going to have a lot of good action in it. I'm interested to see what they're doing with Harrison Ford's character. Yeah. 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 It, I, it got me really excited to go see it. Yeah. I uh, I I am – if you, when they first announced this, I'm kind of like, all right, whatever. Blade Runner 2049. Then they announced the director, Denny Villeneuve, and I was like, okay, I'm in. This is the guy that did, uh, he did, um, Sicario a couple years back. Oh, wow. And, uh, what was that new, uh, alien movie that he did recently with, uh, Amy Adams that I loved? Oh, uh, Is that the arrival? arrival. Arrival. Yeah. He yeah. did arrival. I love Den- Denny Villeneuve and, uh, this, he's reteaming with, uh, cinematographer Roger Deakins that he worked with in Sicario. And so when you said the, the, that the movie looks beautiful, I, I 100% agree. Go through and look at all the movies that Roger Deakins has done. Shawshank Redemption. I mean, this guy is a legend in cinematography. So, I am like through the roof excited to see this because if anything, uh, it's gonna look it's gonna look great. I'm hoping there's a great story here, um, uh-huh. but uh, it looks like uh, Harrison Ford's character of uh, Rickard he's been uh, Deckard yeah Deckard has been uh, missing for 30 years. So and it, from the trailer, it looks like Ryan Gosling's character a, a, again another you know police officer. Uh, he's been looking for Harrison Ford and finds him. So he's going to find out things. So I don't know, man. I just, I really, part of me is so glad that this did not come out right at the same time as, uh, attack. What is it? Not a, what's that? What that, that fucking anime movie that just came out. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Yeah. That's what it was called. I saw it in the theater and it was just like, I'm just glad that this came out. It's coming out later on this year and not so close to that because that movie just was not good. And I, I don't want people to like see this and be like, oh, it's another, it's another movie with androids and, and things mm-hmm. like that and, and not be excited for it. I want this movie to do well. Uh, you know, it's got Harrison Ford in it. I mean, it's got Ryan Gosling, Jared Leto's in it. I mean, I think, I think it, it looks great. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to go see this in the theater. So, really looking cool. forward to it. Um, let's see here. What was that? Has I got anything else I want to talk about for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yeah, I do. Um, Netflix. I read this on ComingSoon.net about this upcoming Netflix movie. It's being released on June 28th. Kind of got me a little excited. Uh, it's, a, it's a movie. It's called Akja. And it's going to make its debut at Cannes Film Festival next uh, Friday, May 19th. And uh, from ComingSoon.net, they said it's directed by Bong Joon-ho. That's the guy who directed Snowpiercer with Chris Evans, the, oh, cool. the train movie. And uh, it stars – listen to this. This is a Netflix original film. Listen to this cast. Tilda Swinton, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano. 
uh, from, you know, prisoners and he was in, uh, you know, uh, oh man, what's that? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. The Brian Wilson Beach Boys movie. It was called Mercy Something. Anyway, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Steven Yun from, uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, nice. Lily Collins and newcomer Ansio Hyun. Uh, let's see here. Uh, basically, the story is for I, 10 idyllic years, young Mija has been caretaker and constant companion to Akja, a massive animal and an even bigger friend at her home in the mountains of South Korea. But that changes when the family-owned multinational conglomerate, Mirando Corporation, takes Okja for themselves and transports her to New York, where image-obsessed and self-promoting CEO Lucy Mirando, played by Tilda Swinton, has big plans for Mija's dearest friend. With no particular plan but single-minded in intent, Mija sets out on a rescue mission, but her already daunting journey quickly becomes more complicated when she crosses paths with disparate groups of capitalist dem- uh, demonstrators and consumers, each battling to control the fate of Akja, while all Mija wants to do is bring her friend home. And uh, I, this is so different than Snowpiercer in every single way. It's basically like this girl has been taking care of this creature in the mountains that's kind of like her pet or something and it you kind of you don't really get to see what the thing looks like you see on the poster that it looks like a kind of like a gigantic hippo and then you Uh get to see like a shot of like its eye and the girl like petting it um i watched the teaser trailer there's not a lot there but this just looks it looks like one of those movies kind of like where it's going to tug at your heartstrings it's going to be kind of like a little bit of like Harry and Harry and the Hendersons meets E.T. meets uh, Pete's Dragon. What did Dang. you What did you think, Joe? Yeah, the when you said it, um, uh, the Harry and the Hendersons. That was the same thing I had thought. <laughs> and and you're right. It it is just a teaser. You don't get too much out of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, anything that's got Tilda Swinton in it, I'm I'm gonna give that a shot because she's just such an incredible actress and. And it, this does sound like something that would tug at your heartstrings, which is something that I don't usually go for. Right. But, but you know, the ease with watching these Netflix originals, and they're generally pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, like, how are they going to do this? Are they going to – are we going to get, like, the scenes of her at the beginning of the movie taking care of this and, like, build the relationship and then they strip him away? Or is it going to be, like – I think that's what they would do. I don't think it makes sense to – just show like this company get the creature and then like give us like these flashback scenes of her taking care of Upja. I I think it I think they need to just like pull at our heartstrings like at the beginning, you know. So I I, mm-hmm. I want to see like there's so many of these th- these movies like you know like Pete's Dragon, Harry and the Hendersons, uh, uh-huh. Gremlins with the Mogwai, where. And E.T., like, you've got to fall in love with the creature. That's where this, like, you know what I mean? That's where this all hinges on. You've got to, like, fall in love with this new creature. So it's a yeah, big Yeah, absolutely. It's a big task. Remember uh, Short Circuit? Yes. Like that too? Yeah, Johnny Five, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely like that. See, that's the thing. It's like Spielberg can do this kind of stuff. And, like, 
I just don't. I love Bong Joon Ho. I'm not saying anything against the guy. I think Snowpiercer was fantastic, but like I've never seen him like work with this kind of source material. Um, you know, with you know, he did the host, he did Snowpiercer. This is this is something completely different. So I want to see what he can do with this. I think it. I think it looks like it's not like an adult. I, I think this is. Is it going to be targeted towards like teenagers and young kids? It was hard to tell. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's got Tilda Swinton, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano. Like, these are all people that I see, like, in uh, PG-13, the R-rated movies. These aren't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would say that this being on Netflix is going to be like a PG-13 kind of like Stranger Things kind of, you know, show, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Serious, but not, like, to the point where... The younger people can't watch it at all. Right, right, exactly. Like, you know, like, uh, my, uh, my niece and nephew, you know, they're younger and they watch Stranger Things. They got a little scared with the, uh, Demogorgon, but, uh, overall they loved it. They thought it was fantastic. So, you know, I just think it's, uh, dude, we're, we're living in a world where like Tilda Swinton and Jake Gyllenhaal are doing a Netflix film. So is, uh, so is, uh, Will Smith. Will Smith's doing a Netflix film. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. What's yeah. he doing? I can't remember the name of it. I didn't announce it on the show. But yeah, he's doing a Netflix film. This is crazy. And and what the, what Netflix is trying to do is cuz they want these movies to be considered for uh you know, uh Oscars and uh Golden Globes and and things like that. And uh-huh. so what they're doing is they're putting these movies in these film festivals first. That way they can get the consideration. Right. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, what was it? Uh, Beast of No Nation. Um, it didn't. I don't think it won anything. It may, it may have been nominated. It didn't win anything. A lot of people didn't think that that came out in theaters, but it actually was out in theaters. But it's like it's also out in theaters at the same time as it's on Netflix. So it's like, not a lot of uh, people are going to want to go to the theater to see the movie if they can just yeah, no joke. Watch it at home. Yeah, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to get dressed or pay right. an extra nine dollars that I don't have to. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Unless it's something that's going to be like awesome in 3D or really, you know, good to see, you know, something you really want to see and pay extra to see it on an IMAX screen or something. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'd I stay at home. What the budgets are for these <laughs> films, as it is, especially when you're getting this big name talent involved. I don't think it really matters to Netflix at this point. You know, I, I do too, Frank. I, I don't know if they release that information. I've never seen it. it that's a great question. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things where I don't think money is an issue anymore to Netflix. I really don't. Right. And, it, and it's crazy the billions of dollars that Netflix is turning down by not having ads. Yeah. Good but for I, them. It, I hope they stick it with really it. It really works in their favor, too. Yeah. I, I get, I mean, it would change the whole experience if you had to fucking live through that shit. Yeah. No, I, you're absolutely right. I, I think, I, uh, Joe, I, I think you're right, too. It's like, it's one of those things that would, I hope that they never change it. I, I don't think they ever will. I think like what they lose in revenue from the ads, they're gaining on people subscribing over Hulu because Hulu, you have right. to pay an additional $4 to remove those ads every month. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, like Hulu has some great programming and, uh, you know, but I, I honestly think like the two, the two that don't have like the ads, Amazon Prime and, yeah. and Netflix are are far superior. Yeah, and the oh, content on the Amazon doubt. Prime's really stepping it up too. As of yet, they don't have like the big name status that Netflix is yeah. getting into. Yeah. 
but they've really got some quality programming through there. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're watching shows with, you know, Brian Cranston, Giovanni Ribisi, Billy Bob Thornton, when they're putting content out on Amazon Prime, I mean, you know, it, it's a, it's actually, it's a reason to subscribe. Like, I, it is. Yeah. Like, it, it's a monstrous draw because, yeah. like, a lot of people will have Prime on its own anyway just for the, like, shipping and shit. But uh, then when you hear that these people are in stuff that you have access to. Yeah. I mean, you seek that shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I recently found out, like, uh, you know, one of my favorite – I think, yeah, it was my uh, favorite movie of the year last year, Manchester by the Sea. You can watch it right now on Amazon Prime, people. I mean, it's there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's depressing as fuck, but, man, it's <laughs> – that. but, you know, that, that that's – Man, if you want to watch Casey, have you seen this, Joe? No. I, I heard so many people say, oh, when I was over, I just had to go to bed. It bummed me out. And I was like, oh, it, it sounds great, but I don't know if I want to go on that emotional roller coaster. I, you know you know what's fucked up, Joe? You, you want to hear something fucked up? I watched that movie on fucking Christmas. Oh, oh no. Merry Christmas to me. That's how, you know, like I'm a pincushion for punishment. I do this to myself. <laughs> It's true. I saw that movie on Christmas. It was kind of like my Christmas gift to myself because it was like it was I I like movies that make you feel. I I think yeah. that's no matter what the feeling is, uh whether it's uh me going into Avengers for the first time and literally like beaming with uh a huge smile on my face after, you know, watching the Hulk pick up Loki and call and call him puny god. And, and then seeing Thanos grin, or whether it's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, as long as I leave the movie, even if the movie beats me up, man, just beats me up emotionally, if I can get in my car and just like sit back in my car and go, wow, wow. And then like, that's what I, I want a movie to make me feel something. There's so many times like where you go into a movie and you're watching like uh, Gods of Egypt or this new fucking bullshit King Arthur movie that that that's that's gonna like it, it's oh, I think it's gonna make uh, it's I think it's losing like eighty million or something crazy like this I mean it's it's bombing it's bombing and people you know you, you go into those movies and you and they you get done with them and it's like in one ear and out the other and you forget it and you never think about it again until like you see a commercial for it on TNT or TBS and you're like, uh, uh, change the channel, <laughs> you know, and then you go to Netflix and watch something good. But like, I, I want movies to make me feel something, you know, does that yeah, make sense? One, one of those films that's kind oh, of absolutely in the same vein that really like hits you hard is Schindler's List. Yeah. that That's a really great fucking film, but you can't help but be depressed while watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you're absolutely right, Frank. And I, I love Schindler's List. I love the fact that they made that uh, they made the creative choice to do that. That's Spielberg, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, uh, I think it is. Well, I'll hear about it on the Correction Tuesday. But you know, like, um, <laughs> but is there ever has there ever been a movie that you that you could only watch once and you're like, I'm out. I'm never going to watch it again. But you thought it was great. But but you you like you really enjoyed it, but you're just like man, I can't do it again. I can't. That's it. I can't do it again. Hmm. I kind of felt that way about the Lovely Bones. 
I've never seen that. Saw that. No, but, that's the uh, uh, Peter Jackson, Dakota Fanning, and Mark Wahlberg movie. Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah, seen I mean, it. It was it was good. It was very well acted, but I walked out of that theater just feeling horrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and my my wife loved it. I'm like that, like that movie freaked me out on so many levels. Like as a parent, and just ugh, like. Yeah, it, it 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 did a number on me. Yeah, I mean, even years later, recalling it. Wow. Mm. But I I know what you mean about wanting to yeah. go to movies and and get an emotional response out of it. I just I think I'm too much of a happiness junkie, where you know I'll just focus on the movies that'll be a a good ride that I'll still uh, you know enjoy. But I I do try and stay away from the ones that'll that'll bum me out. Yeah, yeah. If the story's good, I mean, I, I want to be there for it. I just the only thing that really I shy away from is like the torture porn bullshit yeah, that me horror too. movies have become. Yeah. But I mean, if there's something that's got meaning, an excellent message, an incredible story, even if it's depressing as fuck, I still want to be a part of it. Like I want to feel that even if it's just the one time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there's, uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and Bill Paxton, um, the movie, uh, Frailty. Mm hmm. I could only oh, watch it. One. Yeah, I could only watch it once. I I, I thought I thought the movie's fantastic. I, it's a fantastic film. It's actually directed by Bill Paxton himself, and uh, it's oh, a fa- wow. it's a fantastic movie. But I I could I watched it once, and and my ex girlfriend was like, "Oh, you want to watch Frailty again?" I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, you sick bitch!" <laughs> I'm like, "Are you are you kidding? You want to watch this movie again?" I said, "No, that movie's too heavy." That movie way way too heavy. I can't I can't do it again. I've been I, you know since the passing of Bill Paxton, I've kind of been thinking. I it's it's been probably fifteen years or so since I've seen that movie. Been thinking about maybe giving that one another shot. But that movie kind of affected me like it was just wow heavy and just crazy and disturbing. Uh, the other one is Wes Craven's original, I think it's his first film, like first full feature length film. I don't know if he did any short films before that, but Last House on the Left. I know it's been rebooted, remade or whatever, not rebooted, remade, but the original Last House on the Left, uh, by Wes Craven. And, uh, that movie just, just disturbed me on so many levels that I had a buddy of mine who had never seen it and he said, Hey, can I borrow it? I gave it to him and I never asked for it back. <laughs> yeah like you can dude you can have it you can have it so yeah so that's another one all right yeah so we just went off the rails there for uh for a moment guys so we're gonna ah, take shit there are rails to go off of <laughs> yeah exactly so what we're gonna do is uh we're gonna take a quick break come back with uh we're gonna start off with dc news next guys word all right be right back
right. Hey, we are back. You know what? I got a question for you guys. Like, uh, how many of our listeners do you think they're back now? But how many of our listeners do you think that like dropped off after I mentioned that you can watch breastfeeding videos and pulled them up? <laughs> Maybe like two percent. Probably the people that we picked up with that Guardians episode. Who, who would you think would do it? Like, I, like, you know, your mind goes to Eric Marable. I guarantee you. I guarantee you he didn't. I'm thinking <laughs> I guarantee you it wasn't Marable. Like, you, your mind would go to Marable, you know? I guarantee oh, yeah. you. Yeah. Your mind – it's going to be – I see that guy, like, sitting there with his fucking earbuds in and all of a sudden his hand slides down his pants and his ass, wife's ass and what the fuck's up. I don't think it was him, though. I think, like, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's, like, the least likeliest listener that's doing it, you know? Really? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I think Finn Beats Creek is watching breastfeeding videos right now. <laughs> We're going to see some very interesting action figure poses coming up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. got the feeling that we've had a very disturbing influence on his uh, maturity. Yeah. I'm going to start a bumper series called uh, Finn Teets Creek. And <laughs> it's, it's just going to be fan fiction about Finn watching breastfeeding videos. The first thing I thought of was him taking topless photos of his action figures. Yeah. Finn, <laughs> Finn, Finn fiction. I'll call it Finn, <laughs> Finn fiction. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's uh, jump into some uh, DC news here. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. I guarantee you, dude, some of our listeners fucking stopped the podcast and got on YouTube. I guarantee you, dude, it happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know somebody looked it up. Don't uh, no shame, no shame. <laughs> this is a no shame zone. You do whatever you want to. Every once in a while, yeah, I watch man. I watch little people porn. Every once in a while, you know, I want to know how that works. <laughs> Dude, so. that was one of the funniest pornos I've ever seen when I looked one of those up one time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you I laughed for a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just like you want to know how it works. You know, you want to know how the bits and pieces uh, uh, fit. You know, <laughs> the only one I've ever seen was back when I was in college, and I walked over to one of my buddy's rooms, and there was four guys standing around a little fucking TV, and they were watching this shit. And you know how, like, they have those big birthday cakes that the strippers jump out of sometimes? Yeah. This porno had one of those, and all of a sudden, a little midget dude comes flying out and just starts nailing the fucking birthday girl. It was the weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. Wow, Frank, you should have saved that. That could have been a whole Bumpers episode. My, dude, I, I got hours worth of this shit. Yeah. I'm 38 now. This is me fucking mellowed. Can you imagine my ass in my early fucking 20s? All right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Brian, don't want to think about it. I, I don't know. It's like any transition I give right now, it's it's uncomfortable. <laughs> There's there's no comfortable segue after you talking about a man jumping out of a cake and banging a bride or, or a, like a bride to be or whoever I don't know it's weird so yeah uh, it's porn spe- I always relate speaking of little people um, no I don't know uh, yeah I want to talk about that Josh Gad uh, did you guys hear about him in DC News this week no uh-uh. Josh Gad he apparently he posted some pictures of the penguin on social media so like the internet started going crazy with rumors. 
And uh, Josh Gad basically is trolling us. Uh, he was asked by uh, MTV about this, and he said, just having some fun, really. I promise. There's no there there. You know what? The Internet just goes wild. I'm just having some fun, just putting things out there. So is it? does it sound like Josh Gad is actually kind of like trying to throw his hat into the ring and say, hey, you know, hey, what do people think about me being the penguin? And or or is it or is he just trolling people at this point? It'd be a great way to get exposure for himself. Kind of like, almost like test footage. I could see it go either way because it seems like that's like the new it's almost like a getting a helping up a helping hand from the fans like they put it out there like hey wouldn't you like me to do this? Right. But then also, you know, in the vein of those uh those short those short clips he made with Daisy Ridley. Yeah. You know, yeah, he does like to troll people and do little funny yeah. things like that. So Yeah. Yeah. And my idiot ass bought into that. Yeah, I think it, I think part of it, I think you're right, Stark. I think it's like part of it is just like he did the stuff with Daisy Ridley. And of course, I knew that was a gag, but like on the flip side, like when he posts pictures of the penguin, you know, that's kind of like a, like a tease. Like I, yeah. I think like if DC, if DC or Warner Brothers would have like recently followed him, and him followed them back, and then he does this, then the internet would have really just, like, blown up. But I don't know. It's I don't really want to see the Penguin in one of these films. That's, like, my least... I think he's, like, the least interesting of Batman's rogues gallery for me. I'm just not a fan of, like, the Penguin in... Like the movies, like I didn't even really care for Batman Returns, and I know a lot of people love that movie. It just didn't compare to the original Batman for me, so I don't know. Just I'm right there. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Batman Returns. I have it on DVD, and I rarely ever watch it. Yeah, it does feel like it suffers from it, and and I know a lot of people love it, and I'm a huge Batman fan, but I I agree with your take on the Penguin. He's he's it's like when you get into some of the early Batman stuff, and it's just him with the mob. Yeah, you know that is kind of interesting, but you, you can't show me like the new Batman stuff with him, you know, actually taking on all the villains and stuff. You know, all these different rogues, and you know, sometimes those other stories can feel a little boring. And I, I put the Penguin right in there with that. Oh, you think you like the Joker and the guy with all the riddles? Wait until you see this rotund guy with, uh, <laughs> you know, in a top hat and uh, and a Penguin army. It's like. I don't know. I, With his yeah. trick umbrellas and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... I'm really, not... though, the character's better suited for something like they're using him for on Gotham, even though I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Yeah. And, and and that was one of the things that I really did like about that show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's where that would probably be best suited. Yeah. Even, even DC Comics uh, a few years ago tried to... They tried to introduce a different penguin. Do you go, do, Joe, I don't know if you ever read The Emperor Penguin when they were doing that in Detective Comics. No, nah, I don't was, think I read that one. Yeah, it was John Lehman, the writer from Chew. He took over Detective Comics for a while, and he introduced a cooler version of the penguin, called him Emperor Penguin. And it was just like a like a regular like six-foot-tall dude, and he called himself Emperor, Emperor Penguin, and he started to take over Penguin's empire. And I kind of felt like they were trying to change the image of the penguin and maybe push out the old one and bring in the new but like 
nobody really even took to that story. So I I don't know oh. what happened with Emperor Penguin. I kind of dropped off that run. I, I love John Lehman, so I thought I'd give it a shot, and I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really care. I'm gonna go back to the <laughs> I'm gonna go back and read the Scott Snyder Batman right now because he's killing it. So there you um, go. But uh, yeah, uh, the, Josh Gad is the Penguin. Would you guys? Frank, uh, it sounds like I didn't really get your thoughts. Like, as far as like Josh Gad playing it, would would that be anything you'd be interested in seeing at all? I mean, really, the feel that I get from it, especially with the current state of the DC cinematic universe, yeah, I almost feel like that is similar casting to the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. I don't think it fits. Uh, I. I... Josh Gad is kind of a a bigger guy, and uh, he's he's definitely younger than Danny DeVito was when he was in Batman Returns. And like, of course, like you can look at Burgess Meredith; he was an older guy when he was in, you know in '66 Batman. Josh Gad's probably yeah. in his early 30s. Um, I can I can I guess I'm just kind of thinking like what you would get Josh Gad for. You can, I can see him with webbed hands and webbed feet. I could definitely see it. I just don't really. It all goes back to me just not caring for the character and wanting to see the character in a in a cinematic appearance. I guess. Sure. I mean, they've they've leapfrogged so much in the movie universe. I mean, we're we're already at dealing with people like Doomsday and shit. Yeah. It, it's just it's just weird. It would be a weird, almost like step back as far as like how big a spectacle they could make it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman comes out in three weeks, guys. I got my tickets. I got my IMAX tickets. I'm ready to go. And I got great seats in the center, right in the middle. It's my sweet spot. I am ready to watch this movie. I bought the tickets before I read this next story. I actually read some of uh, – they've done – guys, this is actually uh, – this is interesting because, like, they've actually had some test screenings, which if, okay. if a movie's bad, Frank, we've seen these movies – hide these test screenings. Remember Fantastic Four? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like nobody had seen the movie before it came out. Like no, uh-huh. no critics, nothing. And we all, right. we know what happened with that film. And yeah, uh, so think of pile of poo. Exactly. So <laughs> not if you ask Finn Dietz Creek, he still liked that movie. He doesn't know why, but he liked it. Uh, fucking with you, Finn. Um, <laughs> Wonder Woman had screenings and, um, the critics are embargoed. They can't really give us details, but it hasn't stopped them from tweeting about it. And the buzz has been quite positive. Uh, Andrew Cruzel said, uh, Patty Jenkins, that's the director. He says, uh, at Patty Jenks, I can't get into specifics, but Gal Gadot gives a beautiful, nuanced, powerful performance. Patty Jenkins is so good with actors. Hashtag yeah. Wonder Woman. Um, that, no, that was from Mark Andrico. I don't know what news outlet he's from, but these are all people that were invited to a uh, test screening, some of them from different news outlets. Here's another one. Heard some Wonder Woman reactions. Can't say anything except I can't wait for everyone to hear them. Um, I just saw Wonder Woman. Not allowed to talk about it yet, but we'll say Patty Jenkins is a wonderful human who is too good for this world. Um, let's see here. Are they talking about DCEU, that world? <laughs> uh, next one. Wonder Woman has more action than Batman v Superman. That's from BatmanNews.com. Hmm. 
Yeah, there was long parts of that movie that were a snooze fest, so yeah. it probably didn't take much to accomplish. Uh, ain't that the truth? It was like two and a half hours, and then you get to like the like the uh, the ultimate cut, and like we're at like three, close to three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son, uh, when we got out of watching that, literally asked me without me influencing his his, his uh, opinion. He's like, "Why did they call it Batman v Superman? They fought for like five minutes." Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean it. it I don't know. Yeah, I, let's not get into that. I, I'm done with that. Oh, discussion. yeah. <laughs> territory. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Saw something tonight, been dreaming about since I was little. Wonder, and they put that in quotes, what it was. Uh, <laughs> hashtag she is Wonder Woman. Uh, that's from Tiffany Smith. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm embargoed, but I suppose they started it. It really, yeah, they're talking, they're replying to BatmanNews.com. They said, uh, I'm embargoed, but I suppose they started it. It really is good. Dark, but funny too. Godot is great and the Amazons are brilliant. That's from Andy Leah. Uh, and this one is from Andrew Dice. He, he's a writer for Screen Rant. He says, uh, when seeing Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Justice League number one, is the second coolest part of the evening. I realize how lucky I am. So, a lot, lot of positive buzz coming out of this. Um, and these are these are critics. These are people that got to watch the early screener. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder if this is a. I'm, I'm going to see the movie anyway. I mean, I, I I watch these movies number one because I want to see if it is a train wreck, and number two, I review them on the show. But there are mm-hmm. a lot of people that are a little bit more protective of where they put their money. And a lot of people are waiting to see what some of the critics and what their friends are going to be saying about these movies. How do these statements – I mean I know there's not a lot of them and they're embargoed. But from the people that have come out, I, I, I didn't read anything negative. Are, are you guys a little bit more hopeful for the film? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hopeful. And you know, so far I love Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, well, reports of other DC outings, you know, kind of gave away the idea that it was a train wreck before we got to see the movie ourselves. So, I mean, yeah, it does give me hope. I Frank, I'm going to disagree, man. I'm going to disagree. Suicide Squad looked amazing. Early critic reports were that that was a good movie. No, I'm talking about the trailers and everything. Oh, oh, yeah. right. I meant like yeah. the people I, that got to see it before we did. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what their tweets and things like that or i don't remember it there was nothing positive really um yeah but um yeah um yeah i i, I joe you mentioned like I, you really loved her as well. i did too but it's one of those things where we got her in limited time so we didn't get to spend like a whole movie with gal gadot and it was like i think one of the main concerns for people is like dude uh can she hold a whole movie, you know? Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I think if Chris Hemsworth can hold a Thor movie, which it's debatable, but if he can, <laughs> if he can hold a whole Thor movie and people go out and see that, I, I think Gal Gadot can do it here. It's just, she's really kind of untested. Like she did, you know, she's done like, you know, fast and furious. She's, you know, limited role. Yeah. She's, she's done, you know, a, like maybe, you know, 20, 30 minutes in Batman v Superman. And then she did that Zach Galifianakis comedy, comedy. with John Hamm, um, the neighbors or whatever, not neighbors, whatever it was called, but she has, she's really untested. So 
you know, this is a, a whole movie with her as Wonder Woman, but she's playing opposite of Chris Pine, and I think that that's going right. to help. That's going to help quite a bit. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's really going to come down to can she carry the movie and is the story worthwhile and engaging? Yeah, 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 absolutely. They got to have the right kind of chemistry between those two actors as well. Yeah, for the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah, it's a, it's a love story. Um, can we all agree he's going to die at the end of this, right? Yeah, I mean he's got to. <sighs> if he doesn't, you know, by the time we get to current day, he's dead anyway. Yeah. That, I, yeah, they could make it go that way, and then. You know, if if you remember back to, I think it would have been the original Justice League cartoon. There was a, it was like a flashback episode, or no, they time traveled and went back, and she met him, and then in present day she was visiting him him in a retirement home. Right. Yeah. And but yeah, that, 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 that almost seems too way cheesy. Too much like Peggy Carter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. But I was what I was going to say is just with the tone that these DCU movies are taking. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see him bite it by the end of the movie. Yeah, fuck, they killed Jimmy Olsen, and you know, they, yeah, no shit. They didn't even tell us it was Jimmy Olsen. They just fucking killed, <laughs> killed him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was it was kind of like an afterthought. Like the movie ended, and then like we get on like the internet, and then all of a sudden, a statement from Zack Snyder was like, "Oh yeah, that that was Jimmy Olsen, that guy with the camera. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the guy the guy we killed on screen. Yeah, that 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 was Jimmy Olsen. He's dead." <laughs> The guy that we made a fucking undercover agent. Right, exactly. Uh, anyway, I... Dude, oh, at, go ahead. At this point, why doesn't Warner Brothers just get like a like a, a think tank of comic book geeks and just, you know, pay them in Cheetos and Mountain Dew and just have them read a fucking script and then just listen to them? You're not going to have to pay them a lot of money and then your movie's going to be a little bit better. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why they keep making these weird choices with things. And I, I've got a lot of hopes for Wonder Woman. And it, at the end of the day, I'm an optimist, and I'm going to go see it regardless. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I, think just, I hope I don't get burned. One of the, one of the big differences I think between like you know like uh, the people that are you know Marvel Studios they have their own studio. Warner Brothers is Warner Brothers. I mean, that's they you know, sometimes they're going to bring in house directors and and it sounds like they're actually trying to branch out, you know, like looks like they were talking to Zemeckis and now they're getting Matt Reeves and like, you know, and the thing is it's like I feel like what Marvel Studios has done is that they have their own studio and it seems like Kevin Feige being kind of like uh you know the puppet master, the guy who the the, the maestro, the you know the, the orchestrator of all this. Could I think of any more fucking words to use for this guy? Anyway, um, <laughs> I need a fucking thesaur- thesaurus. Um, <laughs> but like, he, it seems like he really knows how to plan these movies out as far as like being five, six, seven steps ahead. And I think that Warner Brothers doesn't get that they are looking for the instant gratification now i think it started off well with man of steel and then when they had something on their hands they didn't really know where to go with it like that's the difference between watching man of steel and watching iron man both movies were the cornerstones for these universes the end of iron man were greeted by nick fury which sets up the whole avengers which gets all of us fucking fanboys excited for the universe End of right. Man, end of Man of Steel. Um, all we really got was maybe a Wayne, a Wayne Tech 
um, satellite up in space. That's that's really all we got. That kind, of, you know what I mean? And like, a, yeah, an Alexcorp building. I mean, that's really all we got. There was no character coming out and saying, um, you know, uh, this is this is where we're going in the next film. We had to wait for that San Diego Comic Con announcement to find out that we're actually going to get Batman v Superman. And see, that's the difference. I feel like Kevin Feige. You know, and I thought it was silly when it was first announced. Like, oh, he's got these movies planned out till 2024 or whatever it was. And I'm like, well, uh-huh. come on, slow your roll, Kevin. But now it's actually genius when you, when you think about it because he's got these movies planned out so far ahead, but he's also got this connective tissue between all of them. Like, we've got Bucky ending Civil War in Wakanda. I mean, that, that, that could be a part of a Black Panther movie. All these right. things are so intertwined. We've got Tony Stark showing up in a Spider-Man movie, uh, Hulk showing up in a Thor Ragnarok movie. And it feels like the Warner Brothers side of things was just kind of like, uh, we got Man of Steel, like, oh, what do we do now? Um, all right, uh, couple movies, Suicide Squad, and then Justice League. It, it doesn't feel like these things kind of like organically blend in with one another and it doesn't feel like they've really built a whole universe where you were, where you're like, man, I can't wait to see that Aquaman character that we've seen so much of finally get to interact with this character. Like that's what I'm, I'm going to let you guys talk. I'm rambling, but like, that's what I've seen with Marvel. Like we, we saw Tony Stark and Iron Man, we saw Captain America. And the next thing you know, it's like, I can't wait to see these two on screen. They're on screen. They're fighting at each other, calling each, you know, you're a boy scout and yeah, uh, you know, you're this, you're that, you're nothing without the suit. And then they're, they're fighting in civil war. I mean, that's what, that's what was so amazing about this. Like in this justice league trailer, we're going to see Aquaman mad at Batman, but I haven't seen any of Aquaman. So it's like when Aquaman, when Aquaman's doing Aquaman stuff, I have nothing else to go on. This is they're just throwing Aquaman into this world and I'm supposed to buy him meeting uh Bruce Wayne. I hope they pull it off, guys. But I mean, I think that's the difference between Marvel. Marvel play it, 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 people say Marvel's playing the slow game, but they're really not. Each movie, there's so much action, and it's so much fun that it's the overall picture may feel like the slow game, but each movie leading up to it is still just an action popcorn fun filled movie and uh when we get the event films then we're we're ready to sit in and relax and watch all these characters that we've grown to love in each of the individual films and Warner Brothers is just trying to just cutting that time in half you know and what you mentioned about loving the characters is exactly what we're not getting an opportunity to get from Warner Brothers they need to slow their roll a lot and yeah. not be so concerned about building up the whole universe they're putting the cart before the horse yeah tell the good individual stories let us get to know these characters in the context that you want to tell us the stories in then when they all get together then it makes sense then it feels good then you get those weird interplays of the different personalities yeah they're trying so hard to make the universe and be make sure everybody knows hey we got this coming we got that coming. They're forgetting to tell a good story in the first place. Yeah. We don't have anything to like or love. And like you and me, we keep going back to Man of Steel was good. Mm-hmm. 
they need to focus on those individual stories and not be so hung up on everything that they're trying to do. They're trying way too hard to catch up to Marvel, and they don't need to. Well, the okay. money's there. They got the characters. They just don't know how to use them. Stark. Okay, let's say Wonder Woman comes out. It's a fantastic movie. Does gangbusters. Word of mouth. Uh, I mean, I mean, they're projecting sixty-five to a hundred million dollar opening weekend. Which I mean, that's like, come on, like, that's crazy. Like, it's not. What I would I would hope it would do more, but like sixty right. if it does sixty five million, that's that's rough. But like, can we like hope that you know that these critics are right? It's a great movie. There'll be word of mouth, and um, more people will go to see the film, and people like me will go to see it two, three times. Um, you know, I saw Avengers five times in the in the theater. So mm-hmm. nice. You know, I mean, I saw it in IMAX. I went and saw it again in real 3D. I went to a drive-in and saw it in the drive-in. You know, I wanted to see this movie and I wanted to experience it in any way that I could. I loved this movie. And so, you know, it's it's one of those things where like I'm hoping that Wonder Woman can turn it around because I'll be honest with you, when Justice League when Justice League comes out, uh-huh. I'll be if I'm a if I'm a Wonder Woman fan going into that I'll be going to see it for Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. Um, I think moving forward they they need Wonder Woman to be a hit just to bring the fan base back around, uh-huh. and then they need to have a good long term plan like what Marvel does. They need to understand where their movies are going. They need to have the connective threads that are in it, and like what Frank was saying, they need to slow down. And most importantly, they got to have a team of people in here that understand the characters. Mm-hmm, right. Because if you're alienating the super fans like us that are willing to go and see these movies m- multiple times, you're not going to get the dollars. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's so, that, you're absolutely right. That's been the difference between Marvel and DC. I mean, I know that they've got Jeff Johns. Um, but, you know, even Marvel has Jeff Loeb on the Jeff Loeb on the TV side and like. For Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, they brought in Ed Brubaker, which which was really cool. Um, you know, he reinvented the character of Bucky and made him the Winter Soldier, and they brought him in. They even gave him a cameo in the film. I I, I think that that's what they need to do. They need to they need to. Uh, I mean, let's do so. Let's get crazy, man. You know, like let's let me quote Keaton and Batman. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I mean, come on, let's do this. <laughs> I want to see them do some crazy things. I, I want to see. I would love to see them introduce great villains into each of these movies, so that later on down the road we're getting like a Legion of Doom movie or something. You know what I mean? Right. So oh, that'd like be incredible. Confused. They they don't know how to make their own brand of reality. Like Marvel's not afraid to make fun of itself. Right. Guardians was like a major comic book movie just yeah. because of how off the wall it was. Yeah. They're so concerned with making everything so serious and grounded in reality that a lot of shit just falls fucking flat. See, that's the thing. It's like these are. It should not be this difficult. But you know, I mean. Focus on great stories. I mean, there's 75 plus years of great stories of most of these characters that they have in these movies. And I mean, pull from some of these great stories. Don't pull from three of them and throw them in the same movie. You know, right? That's what- exactly. And really, if you think about it, within the last 10 years, DC should have had it made. Yeah. Marvel's doing shit with like Guardians of the Galaxy that nobody ever really heard of except for hardcore comic book guys until the first movie came out. 
and fucking Iron Man. Whereas, like, Superman, you had Christopher Reeve back in the 80s, and we had those fucking Batman films throughout the 90s, like, with Keaton and shit. And then also with the, with the bail and stuff. These were movies that already made money. People, yeah. they were already popular characters in people's minds, and it's like they've gone out of their way to fuck up the brand. DC is haunt, Warner Brothers is haunted by Christopher Reeve. I, I believe that because he he was Superman. That's my Superman, and and yeah, nobody else you. will ever be able to step into those boots but Christopher Reeve. That's my Superman, and I like my, my yeah. dad's Superman was George Reeve. He grew up on the on the black and white TV show, but my my uh, Superman's Christopher Reeve. And the thing is, it's like you know they they knew that people loved that that version of Superman so much that when they brought it back in 2006, I believe with uh, Brandon Routh, uh, they actually wanted Brandon Routh to act like he was Christopher Reeve playing Superman because like this was a continuation of what the events of what happened after Superman two. So it's right. supposed to be Canon in that universe. They wiped out three, wiped out four and they're taking it onward with two uh, after two. So, that movie does okay in the box office. It does all right, but not enough to garner a sequel, and uh-huh. people didn't like fall in love with it. So, what? What? Like Warner Brothers is scared now. What do they do? They make it grittier. They make it darker. They get Zack Snyder. They do these things. I, I and now they're backpedaling again, guys. Like they're, yeah. they're they're seeing what Marvel is doing with their whole universe. They're backpedaling, and now it's like it's like. Now they're throwing in more jokes and stuff like that. I, I think it's uh, – I want them to figure it out. I want them to figure out the formula. I hope they did. I hope Patty Jenkins and I hope I hope they figured it out for Wonder Woman. And I hope Zack Snyder's got a lot of help from Jeff Johns in Justice League because he's going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so hard to understand how they have all the research that they'll ever need in all of those comics to figure out the tone of the character people i mean fucking comic book nerds are vocal about what they like and what they don't yeah it's easy to tell what versions of these characters are very popular it and it's it's mind-boggling that they just can't nail this down yeah 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 it's uh it's it's bizarre i i I think when i think they were kind of intimidated by the ghost of christopher reeve and then also you know, because it, Superman Returns was not universally loved, and you know, and then also it was I, so boring. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved the one action scene with the plane, and that was about it. Um, <laughs> you know, Brian Singer directed that. So the the, the, the thing is, is I, I think that hurt them, and then I think what Marvel was doing was hurting them. They were like, they they saw what Marvel was doing, and they were like, okay, well, we'll do something different. We will. Will be the not anti-fun, but will be the more serious tone. And you know, especially uh-huh. after you know what Christopher Nolan did for Batman, they were like these movies were successful. But it, it works for Batman because Batman is a dark character. But right. Superman is supposed to be that light, that hope, and fun. And uh, you know, when you're a little boy, man, throwing on that cape and flying around in your backyard. And uh, dreaming about flying and being Superman, you know, like, 
I did that with Christopher Reeve. You know, it's like I can't imagine being a young kid and Cavill and it's 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 different. It's different. I mean, I like Cavill. I just don't think that he's been given the best um, material to work with. He's it's written for him to be stoic Mm -hmm. and he's like a fucking brick. I mean. It worked in Man of Steel to an extent because they were giving you the conflict and shit. Yes, you had yes, to go yes, through yes. Stuff. But they had that opportunity to expand it. And you've mentioned before, Brian, that he could have gave that speech in the courthouse. Yes. In Batman v Superman, we could have got a feel for the character. And instead, kaboom. Well, see, Man of Steel kind of like, uh, let me, it, it kind of tricked me because I thought like going into the next movie, we were going to get a more fun and light Superman because like that movie ended with a joke, like the girl out yeah. in, in the desert saying, Oh, I think he's kind of cute or whatever. And then he kind of like smiles and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. Superman, he knows his place in the universe now. He knows, he knows his place within humanity too. And hopefully people yeah. will be able to see like what he did. Um, the destruction, maybe I don't. Uh, I don't want to. Get, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm. I'm. I, like, we just, almost slipped in again. Stark. I'm. No. I'm baiting myself into this. Into this conversation. Without digging into stuff that we've rehashed like yeah. over and over again. At yeah. the end of that film, when he destroyed the military equipment, yeah, it was like we got to trust each other. That to me felt somewhat lighthearted. Like okay, like it's it's a positive thing. Yeah, to learn trust and. You know, it can be hopeful. Yeah. They just didn't continue on that at all. Well, I loved what he did at the diner, too, with the semi-truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, shit like that was really cool. Oh, let's move on. I'm done. I'm yeah, hoping. Yeah. Fuck, man. <laughs> God damn. I, I, I see that. And it's not like you guys did. I did this to myself. I was baiting myself into this fucking conversation. <laughs> Any last thoughts? I don't want to, Stark, I don't want to cut you short, but. No. Well, you know, it's easy to slip into these because you can tell that we all want to have awesome DC movies. Yes, And it it hurts when we get ones that we want to watch. But if we're going to be honest, it's not great. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's easy to fall into these these sort of discussions. Absolutely right. I want – and I want a great Flash movie. Like my favorite – my favorite – DC superhero in the movies has been Superman, Christopher Reeve. But like my favorite uh-huh. comic to read is Flash. I love um, Mark Wade's run on the Flash. I absolutely love it. And so I really want a great Flash movie. And all this Flash news is just like so fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you start, I mean, and this, it's just, it's a tragic Dude, it really story. Is. Yeah. I mean, like, like they, they ought to make a documentary in the vein of making a murderer about fucking Flash. The, 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 that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> because it's so sad because like you start off with Christopher Lord, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Lord, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, like writing the movie and possibly directing. And then it's like they leave. They go to do Han Solo and then like Seth Graham Smith comes in and then like big deal. He sucks. He leaves. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, and then, and then who did they get? They got, uh, Rick Fumiyawa from like dope. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, he leaves, you know, over creative differences. And then like, you know, Zemeckis and, uh, and then like he never even really – he just enters conversations and nothing pans out and he's he's doing a movie for like Universal now. And it's like 
this it's so tragic a, a documentary of like the pre like like the making of this would just be so fucking depressing <sighs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah somebody needs to make a making a murder kind of like spoof on the <laughs> on the on the making of the flash watching this come together all right guys i have got to take a giant leak so we're gonna take a break <laughs> Cool. All right. Happy Mother's Day. Sounds good. By the way. It could have been worse. It could have been a dump. <laughs> yeah. They're always – yes, Frank. It, 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 I think it goes, goes, goes without saying, sir. But, of course, if anyone's going to say it, it's going to be you. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be right back. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at Instagram.com slash PopCultureLeftovers and on Tumblr at PopCultureLeftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right, we are back. I think a lot of yeah. our listeners, uh, wow, who got excited there? Is that you, Frank? Yeah. Well, where the <laughs> fuck did that come? Hey, why is that coming out now? I'm happy to be back. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> I was looking for that energy fucking like an hour and a half ago. Sorry about that. Sometimes the whiskey takes a little bit to kick in. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You know, I haven't drank on the podcast in like months. Yeah, I've no, been noticing you've been drinking nothing but, like, water or yeah. energy drinks and shit. Yeah. I think I've grown as a podcaster because of it. <laughs> Aw. Yeah, I don't know. I'm never going to get there. Hold, don't hold out any hope. Okay, yeah. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on into uh, – You're. I'm at home tonight and I'm not even drinking. I, I just feel like, you know, I want to give my audience 100% of me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not in a pervy way, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brian wants to go balls deep on the listeners. <laughs> right. No. No, I, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I drink and then, you know, by the end of it, it's like, I'm just ready to wrap up and, you know, go Betty by night night time and just pass out. And like, it's, it's nice wrapping these things up and, uh, not, not passing out, being able to like, you know, get the podcast ready to go the next day. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got too worried that drive time helps with that. <laughs> What's that, Joe? I was gonna say I started getting too worried that I was gonna only be introducing people to two drink Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's just so much more outgoing. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's uh, there's times where I'm a little bit more outgoing when I drink, but you know, 
I don't know. I don't think I necessarily I, – I used to just do it when we first started to kind of like, you know, calm my nerves a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Because it is it is, it is is different because you're, you know, you're putting yourself out there and I was just like, ah, if I drink, I just won't – I won't care as much and I'll be – like right now, I've you know I'm on autopilot with this fucking show, so it's like I can just jump on here and talk. It, it makes no difference anymore. But let's move on into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, looks like we're going to be getting a new Hellboy film, but it will not be Hellboy three. Uh, but a reboot, and uh, this news means that there will be no Guillermo del Toro returning as director, and it means no Ron Perlman returning as Hellboy. Uh, this was actually tweeted, this news was tweeted by Mike Mignola, the character, uh, the uh, creator of the character of Hellboy from the comics. Uh, he revealed that a new film is being developed, and guys, they're fast-tracking this thing. It sounds like it's going to start filming this fall. Uh, start filming this oh, wow. year, actually, uh, sometime. So, Neil Marshall from Game of Thrones, and, uh, he directed the, the movie The Descent. He is going to direct this film, and David Harbour, who plays the, uh, Sheriff Jim Hopper on Stranger Things, has signed on to play Hellboy this time around. Now, like, you know, before, it was like they were talking about, uh, you know, David Harbour, you know, in talks. No, like literally like a day or two later, he signed on. So according to THR, the film already has a working title, Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen, and has a script by uh, Andrew Cosby, Christopher Golden, and uh, Hellboy creator Mike Mignola. Um, Andrew Cosby. I, I want to see, see Bill Cosby actually write the script, not Andrew Cosby. <laughs> you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Like, you know, uh, and uh, then uh, Hellboy made Liz a cappuccino. She got really sleepy, and then <laughs> movie takes a really dark turn. Um, let's see. No, it's uh, it's been confirmed that this version will most likely be rated R. And these comments oh. uh, come from Andrew Cosby uh, when he was talking to Silver Screen Beat. I can't really talk about specifics with regard to the story, which they're keeping a pretty tight lid on at the moment, but I can say that it this is a darker, more gruesome version of Hellboy. Neil said from the very beginning that he wanted to walk a razor's edge between horror and comic book movie, which was music to my ears, because that's what I was shooting for in the script and precisely what Mignola does so well with the comics. And... Uh, Guys, I want to know your thoughts on, like, the original Guillermo del Toro series, if you've seen them, and uh, what your thoughts are on a uh, David Harbour and um, a, a more possibly an R-rated Hellboy. Uh, start with you, Joe. Uh, I've seen the first Hellboy several times. Uh, I've seen the second one maybe only once or twice. I don't really even remember much of the plot details of it. But I really liked it, and I mean, I mean, come on, Guillermo del Toro—he's so good with visuals, and especially just that weird stuff. And so it is a little bit of a bummer to not get a third one out of him. But you, with a lot of these things, I tend to be optimistic. I like to go into them thinking I'm going to see something good, even though it doesn't always work out for me. But you know, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic with this. I I like the the uh, the the actor. Uh, from Stranger Things, I think he could really pull it off. And I'm I'm not familiar with the comic at all, but 
I mean, if you're talking about a character that's basically the son of the devil, rated R is probably going to be good for it. And I'd, I'm interested in seeing what they're going to come up with. Frank. My only exposure to Hellboy is the Guillermo de Toro films. Uh, I like those. I thought that they were fun. Um, I don't know what to expect out of this. It makes me kind of cringe a little bit when they're like, oh, it's going to be gruesome. It's going to be more this and that. I mean, and the comics very well may, may be like that, and it could be good. It just makes me kind of wonder. Like, it's such a departure from what we already know. Mm-hmm. And I'm still a little bit butthurt because I would have way rather had, at, at the very least, like, if you're going to reboot it, give us Hellboy 3 and finish that up. Yeah, that's not happening, man. I know, I know, and it bums me out. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to think that that's really influencing this, but it probably is a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out, but... I mean, I don't like the idea that they're talking about pushing it more gruesome. I'm hoping it doesn't edge into that torture porn bullshit. Well, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But, you know, as far as Guillermo de Toro is concerned, yes, I'm a little hurt that it's not. He's talking about doing animated Pacific Rim stuff. I'm telling I'm telling our audience that I would rather, you know, we're not going to get Hellboy. Th- I want him to wrap up his story, though, and just do an animated version. Have Ron Perlman do the voice, get get the actors back from the original cast, have them do voices, and let's just do an animated Hellboy 3 and show us what would have happened, how Guillermo del Toro would have wrapped up that story. I think that's... I, you know what? I'm already getting Pacific Rim on my TV right now, and you know what? They, they, you know, you're know, you not even making that movie anymore, right. del Toro. So don't focus on you know working with Travis Beecham for Pacific Rim, doing, an animated, doing the animated stuff... Give us what you would have given us with Hellboy 3 with those original actors coming back and voicing the characters. That's what I want. And I'd love to see that. I, there, there's something about Del Toro that's perplexing me lately. Like, I, I love Pacific Rim, yeah. and I really enjoyed the Hellboy movies. And all of a sudden, it's like everything, and you've mentioned this before, Brian, that everything he's dipped his toes into lately just turns to shit. Right. Like he he's been involved with fucking video game things, and then that's that's falling apart. Yeah, and Crimson he can't Peak. Can't keep anything going. It's really, oh yeah, yeah, really odd. Yeah, yeah. Crimson Peak wasn't the success they wanted, and then also like he was supposed to do like Justice League Dark, um, that film, and then also uh, he was talking about doing a Incredible Hulk TV series for a while. Mm-hmm. Now now let's go back to these comments from Andrew Cosby. Um, he's talking about this being a darker, more gruesome version of Hellboy. We can take it that one way. Like, Frank, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's gotta be, ooh, it's gonna, it's gotta be grittier. It's gotta be more gruesome. Let's take yeah. it the other way, though. Let's take what we got from Hellboy from, uh, Guillermo de Toro, uh, with the humor and the fun, mm-hmm. okay? But also, let's take the gruesome that we get from Ash versus the Evil Dead. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Let's take yeah. that kind of gruesome humor, that Evil Dead, Army dark, Army of Darkness, Ashes vers- Ash vs. Evil Dead humor, and, 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 yeah. and throw it into this. That works. That yeah, would work. Yeah, it does. I'd love to see That'd that. be really fun. Yeah, yeah. See, I think that's what this guy should have said. I think that's – Andrew Cosby, I, I hope you're not the hype machine behind this. I'm sure <laughs> – you know, I mean, I'm sure he's making, I'm hoping he's making a great script. I, I hope he's passionate about it 
but he should not be the hype machine for this. You know, like you've got like yeah. you've got like statements coming out from like uh, the people that are doing Krypton, and what do they drop? What did they say? They said, "Oh, it's going to be like a science fiction version of Game of Thrones." And you know what? Everybody's ears perk up. You know, for as much as I'm kind of not looking forward to that series and really worried that it's going to be garbage. When you say Game of Thrones, that is a title. That I mean, that's that's something that you could. That's clickbait, man. People are going to read that story because it says Game of Thrones, and you're also talking about Superman's home world. Now, this guy could have said Andrew Cosby could have said, you know what? Um, Basically, this is going to be an amalgamation. It's going to be it's going to be Hellboy meets Ashes Ash versus the Evil Dead. Now people are thinking gore and humor, like hyper violence. But funny, like when somebody gets stabbed and bleeding all over the place in Evil Dead or in Ash vs. Evil Dead, you laugh. It's that kind of right. – and that's what they need to do here in my opinion. And I, I feel like these statements, I hope they're misleading because I don't want a dark, unfunny, gritty version of Hellboy. I think that's boring. I think the character's a lot more than that. I think that especially getting David Harbour, a guy that everybody loves from Stranger Things, I think it's right. – Way, I, I think it'd be way better um, if they mixed a little bit of that Deadpool hyper violence with the Ash versus Evil Dead stuff and did it here. Yeah, and the thing that really is kind of funny, like you mentioned, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yeah, the first thing I think of with the actual statements that we got was like that Evil Dead remake. Like yes. I was expecting yeah. the humor to be there, and it was just gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I don't want to see another one of those. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what these statements evoke, man. They totally yeah. evoke that kind of feel. Like this guy could have like said one just added one thing, like you know, like uh Ash versus Evil Dead or Deadpool and Hellboy. You know, I mean yeah. and then then my whole outlook on this would have changed. So Yeah, it gives you a feel for the tone of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah, we got instead is it's it's really shady. Like I don't know what to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I actually liked Hellboy too more than I liked the original. I'm one of the weird uh, ones. Yeah. So. I gotta go back and watch them again. Yeah, Hellboy two is just a lot of fun for me, and it, I don't know. I've read a few of the comics here and there, and I haven't got into like some of like the what is it? What's the lobster one? People are gonna people are screaming at me right now. But like Mike Mignola like writes all these other different stories that take place in the same universe for all the different characters. I think he might have even written like an Abe Sapien comic. But there's like a lobster lobster Johnson or some shit. That's like one of his characters. <laughs> yeah, dude. He writes That's a, a great l- title. Yeah, yeah. He writes a lot of these. Char- I need to like start picking those up in trade because. Um, I mean, uh, the, the Hellboy shit that I have read, I really enjoyed it. And his art is just so cool. It's just so, it's almost minimal, but the colors are just amazing. So, um, all right, moving on. Guy Ritchie, the director that, uh, used to put his dick in Madonna. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I love that. That's yeah. what you referenced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty much like, I mean, yeah, he did Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels and Snatched, but like, that's what he's most famous for, right? Putting his dick in Madonna? I mean, come on. Anyway, uh, and I- all of a sudden it's no longer ironic that he named a movie Snatch. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. No, he, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I love that movie. I have not liked anything he's done since. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, he did uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. That movie came out. It's bombing right now. Mm. Um, it's sitting uh, at a 24% last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes. Could have gone down, could have gone up, who knows. But um, anyway, he's going to be directing a live-action version of Aladdin. Hmm. Is this going to... No. Is this going to happen? Who wants to see this? Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in the same vein that they did Beauty and the Beast, like, they're just kind of mimicking the cartoon or the animation. They're still going to have, like, all the songs and stuff. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, when you you pose that question, I I would think so because we're seeing it with Beauty and the Beast and John Favreau did it with Jungle Book, you know, and we're going to get Tim Burton doing a Dumbo movie. So oh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Uh, that car yeah. was going to be fucked up. Guarantee you, we're not. I guarantee you, we're not going to get any fucking uh, racist crows in that movie. Tell you oh that much. no, shit! Yeah. Can you imagine the fucked up shit we're going to see when he gets drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what character will Helen Helen Bonham Carter play? Oh yeah, exactly. Oh god, jeez. Uh, so anyway, like live action version of, see, I like this news comes hot off the heels. As far as I know, it it may, they may have talked about it sooner, but like, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but it's like hot off the heels after King Arthur legend of the sword gets 24% on Rotten Tomatoes and is bombing in the box office studio is just fucking just losing money. And now they're going to give him Aladdin like this. Somebody's got to put a stop to this, right? I mean, he. How can you trust this guy with Aladdin now? And here's quotes from him about what he's going to do in the movie. According to uh, Variety, he says, "Decency is decency, humanity is humanity." I think the film will dictate exactly what the tone is supposed to be and who's supposed to be in it. You just don't want to feel like you're muscled into it because you're bullied into it. It will be what it will be because it should be what it should be. It will have its own authentic voice. What the fuck did you just say? Right. Like, that's a like, Dr. Seuss quote. I need this <laughs> what dude the healer. Fuck? I thought I was listening to Brad Pitt's character in Snatch because I couldn't understand a fucking word he just said. <laughs> right. It's like he got fucking really, really fucking high before he gave this interview and it's all existential shit that only he understands. Yeah, he went on a fucking ayahuasca fucking... Uh, weekend with Matthew McConaughey and they were banging drums naked, bongo drums and shit. Like, what right. the fuck are you talking? Humanity is humanity. It'll be what you, it'll be what it'll be. It'll be, you know, like, what the fuck are you talking? I don't I don't know. Shit, man. That's weird. Oh, that's so, Dude. like, right behind Dirty him. Ass hippie. Yeah, like, right behind him, like, Winona Ryder is, like, looking all around and, <laughs> like, did you guys ever see that? Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, all, she, all the hard reactions. Made. Yeah, yeah. Winona right. Oh, oh, ridiculous. Anyway, humanity, I humanity. She puts the fist up. Yeah, I I toss this news. I think this is absolutely horrible. Um, Guy Ritchie needs to just stick to the street level kind of like um, the street level stuff. You know, like um, stories from the streets. You know, that's yeah, weird, weird oddball shit. Yeah, that's what he's that's what he's best at. He's He's, uh, you know, I thought after Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, I thought like this guy was like the second coming of Quentin Tarantino and he's let me down ever since. So, uh, you know, that's just me. I know a lot of people enjoyed Snatch. Um, just, I'm just not a big fan. So 
and anything he's done since um, post Madonna. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. Go ahead. I was going to say real quick here. Yeah. Take us back. Um, I looked up Lobster Boy, and you can pick up the first trade on Amazon for fourteen bucks. <laughs> nice. Or Lobster Johnson, Lobster Boy. Lo- <laughs> Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> lobster. Yeah, Lobster Johnson. I can't believe I pulled that one out. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that does sound like something that you'd pull out, right? you gotta make your hand like a claw when you pull it out though that's what happens six months later after you fuck madonna or is that the sex move you have when your dick is sunburned no it's it's when it's when madonna makes your dick red from a fight like some kind of std i don't know Dude, if your dick gets sunburned, oh fuck! Number one, I have questions, and right. number two, like, oh, I feel so bad for you. No, man, I, like the vitamin D on your D—that that makes sense, right? Uh, right. <laughs> that's a, that's like the one part of my body that doesn't get out in nature enough. You know, I get. Yeah. You know. I always enjoy it when I piss outdoors, though. It's always good to feel the air blow through there. Oh, man. Yeah, it's glorious. It's glorious. Like, it's almost, and then I have to put it back in, and, it, and my dick's almost like, oh, dude, that's it? You know? It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like that one hour of rec time that prisoners get, you know? <laughs> it's like, all right, here's your out of house time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when when my dick is out in nature, it's like that scene from Shawshank Redemption where they're drinking beers on the top of the roof. (laughs) My dick feels like Andy Dufresne. Yes. Oh, Andy. I remember remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne's penis. Frank. (laughs) What? Frank. You're young. How do you identify a blind guy at a nude beach? Huh? Uh, it's not hard. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to re-listen to this joke later. I didn't even catch it, and I don't want to hear oh, it again. I, I said, "How do you find the blind guy?" <laughs> I, the I just told you I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Here, let me do it anyway. I'm playing the part of the deaf guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> You've never wished you were disabled so much in your life. <laughs> oh, hey, Frank. Frank, no. What was the joke? What was the joke? How do you find the blind guy at the nudist beach? How? It's not hard. Oh, brother. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Guys, um, did you guys watch uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. I've heard it's great, though. Yeah, it's based It's based on a manga. Um, you should definitely watch it. Um I know, I know there are, Tom Cruise has his detractors. Uh, there are people that don't like Tom Cruise. I actually, I, I enjoy a lot of the stuff that, that he's done recently. I loved Edge of Tomorrow. Um, what was the other movie that he did? I think it started, I, it was another science fiction movie that came out a few years ago that I really enjoyed. But anyway, um, you know, he, Edge of Tomorrow 2 is coming out, uh, director Doug Lyman, um, and the title they, they titled it. The title is "Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat." I hate that. Well, see, I, I do too, Frank. "Live, Die, Repeat" is the title that they actually tried to give Edge of Tomorrow to 
after yeah. the film had already been out as uh-huh. Edge of Tomorrow. So they tried to pimp it as this title when it was like coming out on Blu-ray because like the yeah, Blu- the yeah the Blu-ray said Live Die Repeat and then it said like Edge of Tomorrow on it. So um, I, I think it just confused most people, and, and I think that calling this movie Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat is just going to confuse them more. It should have just been titled, like, Edge of Tomorrow 2 or Edge of Tomorrow, semicolon, whatever the fuck, right? Right. So, something, anything fucking else. Right. So this <laughs> this was the Tom Cruise movie that came out in 2014 where a soldier, he was, he's fighting aliens, and he... It's like Groundhog's Day with uh, science fiction. It's it, uh-huh. He's fighting aliens and he gets to relive the same day over and over and over again until he gets to figure out how to defeat them. So, um, But Doug Liman, he, he revealed that Emily Blunt is coming back. And um, here's, here's Doug Liman's quotes about the movie. He said, we have an amazing story. It's incredible, way better than the first film. And I obviously loved the first film. It will be called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Tom is excited about it, and Emily Blunt is excited about it. The big question is just when we'll do it. But it's not an if, it's a when. So it is going to happen. I mean, Tom Cruise is doing the mummy thing right now. Um, I'm sure that he's got, like, another Mission Impossible in him. Um, you know, and I, that's a movie I want to see. I want I, I, I to see the, the next Mission Impossible movie. I hear Jeremy Renner's not coming back, but... You know, I hear Rebecca Ferguson is going to come back, and she was fantastic in that last movie. She made that movie what it was. But I, I, I want to see this movie, but it's going to suck a little bit because Bill Paxton's not going to be able to come back for this one. Yeah. Yeah. So Those are always good movies. Yeah. The thing that I like most about the first Edge of Tomorrow is you can see the development of the character. It's not just an action flick, like him and his perspective and the things that he knows from the beginning of the film. I mean, he goes on a journey. He changes. You can see the character change. And not a lot of films that, especially Tom Cruise is in, you get to see that anymore. Frank, I hear like I hear a little bit of background noise, like, like wind. Are you outside? Are you pissing? Are you? No, I'm in my garage. No, I'm fucking with you. I was, we were no. talking about <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, I got no. a mute button on this. Uh, yeah. If I got to do that, you just won't hear it. Um, months a- <laughs> That's comforting. <laughs> months ago, Doug Lyman, he made this quote, too, about uh, Edge of Tomorrow, too. He said, and we talked about it on the show and how it's a tall order to fill. He said, quote, it's going to revolutionize how people make sequels. Damn, that is a lofty fucking statement. Right. It sure is. Right. I mean, we'll see, you know, like, if he's right, I would love that because, like, we've seen some shitty sequels. Like, sequels. Right. I mean, think about The Matrix, you know? And, (laughs) you know, and. There's a term called sequelitis for a reason. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, revolution. I just want to. I'm not going to let him die down that statement. Uh, when this movie is made, when we review this movie, when I review this movie, if it does not revolutionize how people make sequels, I'm going to call him out on it. Not like he's going to fucking listen to me or hear me, but I'll, I'll call him out on the show because, like, that's yeah, it's 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 a big statement to make, man. It's a tall order to yeah. fill. Yeah, it's got to be something. I mean, saying that, it's got to be something that we've never seen before or would expect. Yeah, it's got to be like the the first time you saw the sixth sense, fucking kind of twist shit. 
Yeah, but that's not a sequel, you know? Oh, right. I know. I just meant like something that will surprise you that you haven't really seen before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, when he says, when he starts talking about revolutioning, revolutionizing the way sequels are made, I'm thinking like he's thinking to himself, like, this idea is so good, there will be copycats. Like, this will be a new trend in Hollywood. Like, right now, the trend is expanded universe. We're seeing Transformers do it. We're seeing, you know, uh, DC and Marvel do it. I mean, you know, expanded universe is huge. Universal is trying to do it with their monster movies. Tom Cruise doing like the mummy. They're wanting to bring all the other universal monsters together eventually. I mean, and, uh, right. if he's talking about this revolutionizing the way sequels are made, then like this will spawn off a bunch of other movies that are actually using this technique that he's talking about. So. I'm interested. Right. Yeah, I'm really interested. I think it's all hype. I think it's all hype. It's not gonna. Nah, it's gotta be hype. It's he's just. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's all yeah, hype. I hate the hype machine. I, I hate it whenever somebody talks about their own shit because, of course, they're never gonna speak badly about it because they want you to fucking pick it up. And so often, it's just lame ass marketing bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, news, uh, from Screen Rant via I Am Global Television. What the fuck is I Am Global Television? Well, <laughs> I Am Global Television announced that Judge Dredd is gearing up for a live action television adaptation called Judge Dredd Mega City One. After the post apocalyptic dystopian super metropolis depicted in the comic books. So, uh, let's see here. The series is being produced by Mark Stern of Battlestar Galactica and Stuart Ford of Hacksaw Ridge, alongside Jason and Chris Kingsley from Dread, the movie. Uh, they also unveiled the poster. And, um, basically, uh, this is going to be a Judge Dread TV series. I don't know where it's going to be airing. Uh, it's coming from I Am Global Television. Never heard of them before. Uh, it doesn't sound like, from what I know, that there's been any announcement for any actors. They've basically, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I mean, we've, we've been petitioning for them to do a Dread sequel in the movies. Uh, that wasn't going to happen. I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get uh, a Dread Netflix series. People really wanted to see that happen. Maybe Carl Urban come back and yeah. do that. That, nothing came of that. What is it? This is weird, right? Yeah. Kind of sounds like, uh, I don't know, this sounds all, just sounds generic. I am global television. I never heard right. of it. Like, how much is the budget gonna be on this thing? And I love, I mean, I love Judge Dredd and I love, I, I love, uh, reading like 2008 books and I love Mega City One. Like, I, I love, I, you know, I used to, I was reading the Dwayne Straczynski run when, with IDW and I loved it. I mean, you got, got a great Judge Dredd story and at the end of it, you get, you get, uh, you get a story just about Mega City One and like, you know, fucked up things going on in Mega City One. I loved that. I thought that was so cool because like you saw like the drugs people using, uh, and then like the next, the next issue, you see like, you know, Judge Dredd like living in this world. So they set up, it was such a great comic book, but I, it's a TV. It's just there's nothing. Nothing about this. It makes me excited, right? Right. Now. Like right now. I don't. Kind of the bummer is that because you've never heard of 
the app or what it's going to be on before. Yeah. What kind of budget are they going to have? Like, who can they afford to actually get this going? Right. I mean, it's nice to have some guys in here from Dread and, like, you know, Battlestar Galactica. And mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. But, like, you know, like, I, I just don't how, – how am I going to be watching this week to week? Like, where is it going to be on? Is it going to be an app where I have to watch it streaming? Is it a service I'm going to have to pay for? And, you yeah. know, what is the budget involved? And, like, is Carl Urban going to return as Dread? Um, you know, these are all questions I have. Hey, uh, Stark, wh- what are your thoughts on uh, Judge Dredd? Did you watch Dredd, the 2012 movie? Yeah, it's it's actually one of my favorite comic book movies. And I would be exci- I'll be excited about this. For right now, this is news that I'm going to freeze. Yeah, yeah. I'll be excited yeah. about this. I, it, it needs to be rated R. It. I would really like to see Carl Urban back in it because he totally killed it. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah. oh, it was so gritty and it was so good. If they can capture what they did in that film and put it in a TV series, then I, then I'm I'm sold. But I mean, that that's a lot of what ifs yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And is. that's something I wouldn't see happening because Carl Urban's got a bit of a name for himself. I mean, he's still bones in the current Star Trek films. Yeah, I could those, those might not come back. We might not huh? get another Star Trek film, Frank. In Hollywood, well, still, like, in Hollywood, he's not going to lower his own stock to appear on something on an app that nobody's I, heard of before. He I think, yeah, but I think, okay, okay, hold on. Number one, let me throw this out there. Okay, he, I agree with you. I know nothing about I Am Global Television, and if Carl Urban would want to do a series on I Am Global Television. But mm-hmm. he's not a huge movie star. This guy's a character actor at most. He did that Fox uh, series, uh, Almost Human. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done The Loft. You know, he, he played a big part in that movie. But it was a small budget film. Um, he's going to be in the new Thor movie. But he's playing mm-hmm. a small role. Like, this guy is, you know, and I, I know he's in the Star Trek films. But so is, like, John Cho. And John Cho is nothing really other than the guy that was in Harold and Kumar and you know uh, Zulu. Right, I, mean, I get you. He's kind of like a B-lister. Yeah, he's yeah. He's just been in some bigger shit. Yeah, I love him. I love him, but like he's he, he doesn't even take the helmet off in the movie, which that's the way the character should be, but like if it was, again, like an actor of like Stallone's caliber, that's why they want him to take the helmet off because they want you to know that it's Sylvester Stallone in the movie. You know, right. that's yeah, why, yeah, you know, that, but, but Frank, you're right. You know, like I, I would, t- I would say this, if it was a Netflix series, you're getting Carl Urban. He's coming back, Yeah. but you're right. It's, I am global television. And I don't even know if Carl Urban would come back to do something like that because we don't know where, what they're going to do and what platform this is going to be on. I mean, uh-huh. Man, I, if this was like a Amazon Prime series or like a Netflix series, man, I would – oh, man, I'd be pumping my fist. But this news is kind of like I'm, – I'm with you, Stark. I'm going to freeze it, right? You know, like if this was the news, it's I am global television. It's going to be on some bullshit thing. I'm going to say fucking uh, low taste this news. Um, right. But, uh, you know, if we find out it's going to be 
on a on a really good streaming service, uh, I could Tupperware it. But um, yeah, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, fuck, I got to try to figure out how to get another app to watch something else. It's like, how many of these different things do I need? Yeah, yeah, you it know. gets to be a hassle. Yeah, it's like I'm having like I loved Super Mansion, um, that that uh, claymation show on Crackle with Brian yeah. Brian Cranston plays like a superhero. He's the voice of a super. I love that show. I think it's hilarious, but it's on Crackle, and it's like I'm not always pulling up the Crackle app to watch it. Right. So I'm two episodes in on season two, and it's like I haven't finished it because it's like Crackle, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not on something that you would be on anyway. Yeah. Crackles wackle, yo. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? What's really cool about, and I've mentioned it on the show before, but for like maybe newer listeners that like don't aren't familiar with Judge Dredd, what's really cool about the character of Judge Dredd in the comics, and he's been around for how long has he been in the comics? Like forty years, maybe. Or I have no. Yeah, idea. I'm not that familiar with the. Okay. The, what's really cool, Joe, about the character of Judge Dredd, if you're like reading like 2000 AD, is that the character they don't reboot the character. He he ages every year. Oh that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So like the character is like I think he's I think it's I think they celebrated like the fortieth anniversary. But the character is forty years older than when he first started the book. So he's old. Man, that's that's really that is really unique. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how they're gonna handle that, like going forward with the character. You know the death of of Judge Dredd. You know, so it's, yeah, it's that's so anti Hollywood. Yeah. What it's used to doing anymore? It's always reboot city. Yeah, this is a comic book though. So, but you're yeah. right. Like you know, Captain America hasn't aged, and Peter Parker is still like in his twenties or thirties or whatever in the comics. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So that is pretty unique for comics. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, guys, uh, about uh, I don't know if you've read this, Joe, but uh, I'd say it came out about four or five years ago. It's a comic. It came out from Grant Morrison. I loved it. It was from Image. It was a sick, I believe, a six issue miniseries, and it was called Happy. Did you read this? Uh, no, I've never even heard of it. Okay, it's uh, it's Grant Morrison. Uh, it was about a character, Nick Sachs. He, he plays a he's a uh, crooked cop. Uh, he and, and, and he now is a, uh, a, a mafia hitman for hire. And in this story, his life is in danger. He's gotten himself mixed up with some bad people. His life is in danger, and the one person that's helping him in this book is his daughter's, his youngest daughter, who he doesn't have a relationship with anymore, her imaginary friend, Happy, who is a flying blue horse who looks, like, super cartoony, and he's small, and he flies around. (laughs) This guy fucked up. It's a very fuck. It's it's very, like, there's, it's an image book. It's very graphic. There are F-bombs dropped. It's very adult language. You've got a cute horse flying around and, you know, I can just imagine him talking all goofy and trying to cheer this guy up. Um, and then he's cursing at it and then the horse becomes really sarcastic and it's, it's really funny to see like this, this guy, like when I think of him, like when I read the book, I thought of like kind of like a gruff kind of like, uh, 
Josh Brolin type character, you know, from like, uh-huh. like three ten to Yuma, like this, you know, this, this really gruff guy and talking to like this flying blue, uh, imaginary horse. And, um, this has been picked up for a, uh, series, uh, on sci-fi. Um, they ordered a, uh, a season of this. I think it's, it's a full season and I, I think it's just like a one season and done. I don't think it's going to be like going on for multiple seasons, but they've, uh, they've cast Christopher Maloney as Nick Sachs. Huh. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Maloney and, um, Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live is going to be the voice of Happy the Horse. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So, uh, this is, I'm very excited for this. I just don't see it given the true justice of the comic book being on sci-fi because this deserves violence and cursing. And I just don't, you're not going to get away with that on sci-fi. Like I would have rather have seen this like on FX or on HBO or Showtime where they can get away with that kind of shit. Cause that's, that was the story. That's what Grant Morrison did is he made like this really hyper violent and this foul mouthed character that's like totally irredeemable. You hate this guy. He's a piece of shit. And, <laughs> and, uh, this funny horse, this imaginary flying horse flying around it's, and he's blue. It's just so bizarre looking, but, um, they're just oh, not going to read this. Oh, you've got to, it, you've got to, I was buying it in single issues and I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, read the book and you'll understand why I don't think it'll work on sci-fi. So I'm excited about the casting of Christopher Maloney and I love Bobby Moynihan. I think he's hilarious and I think he's a great voice for this character. I just think that sci-fi is the wrong network. So, yeah, uh, Krypton also has been ordered to series by sci-fi. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about in news is if you were a fan of the Shannara Chronicles on MTV, I was. I know that sounds fucking silly. Uh, a fantasy show on MTV, and uh, Brian loved it. I did. I thought it was great. Uh, season two has, is actually moving to Spike TV. That's not. Oh, okay. That's not confusing for people at all, is it? <laughs> and I still can't see that as being like at least a half a step up. Like yeah. I'm completely revolted by the idea that something is on MTV that I would want to watch at my yeah. fucking age. Yeah. I'd yeah. be more inclined to go ahead and check it out. To- moving yeah it's moving over to spike i just think it's it's kind of it's kind of confusing for people that that don't hear this news and all of a sudden they're like they've got shannara chronicles set up on their dvr and then all right. of a sudden it's not recording and then they find out months later like whoa what season two was on what right like the only reason yeah. i know this kind of stuff is because i'm always reading this stuff it's like american dad I love that show, by the way. Fuck everybody that hates that show. It's so superior <laughs> to Family Guy. It's great. I love Roger. Roger fucking slays me. But anyway, that show moved to TBS like three seasons ago. And like, I'm sure there's some people that don't even know that new episodes of American Dad are on TBS. So. I didn't. I honestly didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right, guys. We're going to move into Marvel News. Play the bumper eventually. Here we go.
Marvel news. All right, let's see here. Uh, yeah, uh, Defenders news. Uh, this week we learned that the Chased, who are the sworn enemy of the Hand, will show up in the series. And uh, we've also learned uh, more details about uh, the, the the Defender series from Mike Coulter. He plays Luke Cage. He, he was interviewed by TV Guide. And uh, Mike said, the villains that we're dealing with are a combination of several entities. Um, and they all have something to do with our separate stories that have played out in each of our own individual series. So this has been going on for a while. It wasn't obvious in each individual series, but in this series, you'll find out that the things that happened to all of us basically were all because of one entity. And that's what's going to kind of tie things together. And then we'll see that. We'll understand that, and before you know it, eventually, we'll fight together or not. So, from these statements, it sounds like there's going to be a combination of villains from each of these series, and if I put two and two together, it sounds like Sigourney Weaver's been pulling the strings on these things, right? Yeah, it sounds about like that's what it is. Yeah. You've got some kind of inter intermingling relationships between these characters and the big bad. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought this was going to be like uh, them versus the hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, it could have been just that simple. I think it still is. I think it still is. I don't know. Here, okay. It, one of the, uh, one of the costume designers for the Defenders, she may have slipped up. She was interviewed by International Business Times about Sigourney Weaver. Uh, this lady's name is Stephanie Maslansky. She said. I think that she's clearly a baddie, and she's the head of an ancient organization, which is grounded in the comics. I hope that her wardrobe reflects that kind of ancientness. I hope I haven't said too much. I hope Marvel doesn't come after me. Well, I think she did, because <laughs> when you're thinking ancient organization, you're thinking of the the hand. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think, yeah, we found out what Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver is going to be kind of like the leader of the hand. I think it's kind of confirmed at this point if we can believe this uh, costume designer. So, Is there any comic book canon that would conflict with that at all regarding the hand? Yeah, yeah I don't think uh, Sigourney Weaver led the hand in the comics. I'm fucking no, with you. No, I meant like... <laughs> The hand in the comics, like if it had anything to do with it being a lady or anything like that? I don't know. I mean, I I didn't read too much, you know, like Iron Fist and stuff like that, to be quite honest with you, Frank. And like the Daredevil stories that I've read never dealt with the hand really too much. So okay. I couldn't tell you. Do you know, Joe? Uh, I haven't read too much of it, but one of the first things that came into my mind uh, especially with you know a lot of the negative press that came from uh, Iron Fist is isn't the the hand like kind of like an ancient Asian organization? Yeah, and if they got a Caucasian lady being their you know ancient leader, is are we going to hear a rehash of you know whitewashing arguments and stuff again? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think they're taking like I don't know. yeah I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't know. It's so weird. That's why it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. I, I wonder like how are they going to to do this? Are they basically going to say that the hand is now they've moved into 
the 21st century and it's, it's, it's big business now. It's like, uh, you know, like she's the lead, you know, like, like this, uh, like she's, a she's like a CEO of a huge company, like uh, along the lines of kind of like a start tech or something like that. But she's actually, you know, part of the hand. Is that where they're going? You know what I mean? I think, I don't know. It feels I, like it. Like yeah. through the daredevil stuff with the Kingpin and Madam Gao and stuff. You really get the impression that to them it is just business. Right. Yeah. It's like maybe she's, maybe she's funding the hand at this point. Like it's changed. It's not what it used to be and she's funding it, but it's, that's weird. When I think of like ancient mystical, I don't need any of that shit. You know, that's what I left. That's what yeah. I liked about Iron Fist is like, you know, when the hand did show up, it was just kind of like, I don't know. And maybe we're reading way too much into it. Like I'm, I'm complaining. I'm right now. I'm complaining about something that has not even been confirmed. So that makes no sense. I need to slow my fucking roll here, but <laughs> you know, that's, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I want them to keep the hand as just kind of like this ancient mysterious organization, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, that makes sense though, because if they if if they try and explain too much mm-hmm. and they shit the bed on it, it's just going to cheapen it. You know what? Hey, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm gonna uh, now that I'm thinking about this, I never got to bring this up because like, um, I I didn't jump back onto the Iron Fist podcast from Scenic Cast, and I really wanted to bring this up. Do you remember? Did you watch it, Joe? <laughs> I haven't watched Iron Fist yet. I've okay. yet to hear anybody give an awesome review of it, and I'm just so busy with other shows that yeah. it, it's on my list. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. So. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about it. No, 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 no. Don't trust me. Like most of the, most most people that 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 watched it don't like. I I liked it. I really enjoyed it. But anyway, that's just me. Like, a lot of people piss and moan about the action and stuff like that. And, yeah, it didn't have the best fighting scenes. But I, I enjoyed the characters. I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, the uh, his uh, the, 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 the family, the family aspect of it and things like that. Anyway, there's um, – I'm going to throw this out to our listeners and maybe this will get you thinking a little bit. Um, the um, – oh, the, I can't remember her name, but the cute Asian girl that owned, like, her own dojo that was, like – hurting for money and she was hurting for money so she could keep the dojo open and you know uh she was worried about the dojo closing we find out that she's yeah spoilers we find out that she's like in cahoots with the hand it's like don't you think that the hand could afford to keep that dojo open because she used it for recruitment that made no sense to me made zero sense to me why she's hurting to keep the dojo open so I think that was kind of a plot hole. But anyway, moving on, moving. I, go ahead, hey, go ahead, Frank. You know, I, I was just thinking about this, and and one good way they could spin this is the feeling that you get is that the agents and and like the kingpin and Madame Gao and such, they're used to being able to just steamroll over all these citizens, like it's just business as usual, and they're doing what they normally do. But when with the ground level heroes starting to pop up, like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, uh, they're getting resistance. And maybe Sigourney Weaver's just the one that they send in to take care of that resistance. She doesn't have to be the hand. Maybe she's just like the enforcer or some shit. Maybe she's just like the mouthpiece or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
Like yeah. she enacts the will of the hand or some shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I just, I want to. Sigourney Weaver's a great, great actor, and I just want to see her. I don't want another throwaway villain. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I'm hoping. I, I mean, this is her ve- first venture into into Marvel, and I hope she. I hope she enjoys it. I hope she has a great time, and I hope she's well received. I mean, because like, she's great, man. This is fucking Ripley, dude. This is Ripley, you know. So right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep my fingers crossed because I mean, Carrie Ann Moss has been great in this stuff too. Yeah, yeah, she really has. She really has. You know, um, I, I like her a lot. I think she's good. She she was in Human season two, and she she really she really stepped up that second season for me. I liked her so. Nice. Uh, FXX co-president Nick Grad, uh, he, uh, they announced, uh, Donald Glover, uh, who did Atlanta on FX. He's going to be a showrunner along with his, is it his brother, Stephen Glover, for a, uh, animated Deadpool series on FXX? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I saw that headline. Yeah, yeah. So Nick Grad said, uh, Donald Glover is an incredibly gifted and versatile artist who will bring the Untitled Marvel's Deadpool series to life with the same intense, singular vision as his breakout hit Atlanta. With the success of Legion, we're looking forward to, again, partnering with Marvel Television to create a series that is bold, striking, and entirely original. So, uh, yeah, uh, Marvel head of TV uh, Jeff Loeb also said, how much more fun could this be? Deadpool, Donald, and FX, the perfect fit for the Merc with the Mouth. We're thrilled that our relationship with FX that started with Legion continues with what is sure to be a groundbreaking show in adult animation. So, guys, FXX, Deadpool, Donald Glover, Donald Glover involved. I mean, this is not going to be cute Deadpool like showing up in like the Spider-Man, you know, morning series. This is going to be like, this is going to be like, uh, R-rated Deadpool, like FX. I mean, taboo. They were dropping the F bomb, you know, on that right. show. So I don't know if they're going to be going that far in this series, but you know, Donald Glover. No, when they made this announcement, I was thinking to myself, "Oh my God, Donald Glover is going to be Deadpool." No, no, that that was not the announcement. He's going to be the showrunner. He's going to be involved in the show. So I wonder if he's going to have a role uh, as a voice actor in this. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on a uh, animated Deadpool on FXX? It could work. I mean, depending on what time it's going to be airing. I mean, you see, I, I know it's not going to be like the same tone or anything like that, but I mean, you see what Adult Swim gets away with. You could still have shit and beep it out and still have it have impact. They're not going to bleep it out, Frank. What, 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 I mean, this is, they might bleep out like an F. I don't know if they would be. If they, no, they wouldn't use an F word if they're going to, if, if you're not, if there's going to be an F, it's hard to say, but I mean, we saw in Taboo, they were dropping F-bombs on that show, and that was on FX. Right. If the, if you can air this at 9 o'clock, Central Time, they can get away with that on FXX. So, yep. Yeah, I, I hope it's awesome. It would be great to have a Marvel animated property that's good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, it's Donald Glover. It's it's Deadpool. Donald Glover loves this shit. You know, he's a big fan of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, the other the other thing they might run into is who are they going to get to voice it? Yeah. And are yeah, they going to yeah. be able to do as good as Ryan Reynolds is doing in the live action? Right. Is whoever voicing it just going to try and ape that performance? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, when you think of, yeah, I don't want that. I absolutely don't yeah. want that. That's something that's yeah. really unique to Ryan Reynolds. I mean, the delivery and the timing and shit, that's really hard to duplicate. Yeah, I, I don't want to copycat somebody to, like, mimic him and do it. You know, that's that's cheap. I, I want them to get somebody in there and bring their own voice to Deadpool, you know? So, yeah. But still have it have it funny. Um I'm excited though. I'm excited. I'll taste this news. I will definitely taste this news. If not, like later on down the road, Tupperware it once I see it. So, yeah, I think this is exciting. I think, uh, especially if it's like a nice summer show where you can watch it and, you know, it doesn't compete against a lot of other shit. But yeah, I mean, FX did a great job with Legion, you know, and yeah, I want to see it continue here with this. So I'm excited, but. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, X-Men, New Mutants film. Uh, let's see here. We know that this film is coming. It's, uh, Josh Boone directing. Um, he's the, uh, writer for Fault in Our Stars. Um, now we find out that they've cast, it's official, Maisie Williams as Wolfsbane. And, uh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy, the lead actress from Split, will play Magic. So, thoughts? I love Maisie Williams. It For me, she's the draw. I've never heard of this property before. And uh, I, I'll check it out just because she's in the marquee. You've never heard of New Mutants? It's not a, like I've never even seen the, the cover of that comic. I've heard oh. people talk about it, but I don't know anything about it at all. Well, I yeah, mean, that's the title says was, it all. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> oh no, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say that's pretty much the same camp I'm in. I, I've heard of it. It's it's like a younger generation of like the it's like the next generation of X Men, right? Yes, yes. And yeah. yeah, I've heard of it. And yeah, Maisie Williams is awesome in Game of Thrones, right? And uh, we got. Anya Taylor-Joy from Split. She's going to be playing Magic. Um, I uh, th- I have mixed emotions on this, guys. And the reason is I, I love Maisie Williams. Um, and I'm happy that she's going to be playing Wolfsbane, I guess. I mean, I'm not a, like, I'm not like a Wolfsbane fanboy, like, you know. But, yeah, it's a girl. She's a fucking wolf. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. But, uh, I will say that Magic is my favorite X-Man character. And, oh, wow. oh, nice. I, you know, growing up it was Wolverine, but as I got older and I started to read more about, you know, started to read more New Mutants and more X-Men and stuff, I really, I love Magic. And, I mean, she, She's a, such a, she's, it's Colossus's sister and she, she's a sorcerer and she, she can teleport, she can go to hell. Um, she is just, she's just an amazing character. I, I love her. She, uh, and it, that's what I'm worried about. If they, if they fuck magic up, I'm going to be so pissed. Um, I mean, this girl, the, the character is amazing. Like she, she was raised in limbo by this evil sorcerer and she was trained, she was trained in, uh, in magic in like combat by these alternate versions of Storm and Kitty Pride. I think the, 
I think the name, I think one, I think they're named Storm and Cat. And she, I mean, she can travel to hell. Her sword is this huge fucking sword, like, like, like the final, like the Final Fantasy sword, you know? Oh shit. All right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if I have no doubt that I, I think that, I hate that. Now I'm saying they fucked up Apocalypse's, Apocalypse's costume in, um, Apocalypse, but they got right Psylocke's. Uh, like Olivia Munn looked amazing as Psylocke, right? Yeah. The costume Even looked great. Even though horrible otherwise. Right, but she, I mean, the costume looked great. Yeah, she looked great. It that, looked great. It right. Looked, yeah. Right. The aesthetic of that costume looked amazing. The costume designers, they did the character justice. Now Apocalypse mm-hmm. looked like shit. Anyway, I yeah. think that they'll get like her costume hopefully right based on that. But if they do mm-hmm. not get her sword as big and as badass as it needs to be, and it better not, it better not look like CG blade. Like, yeah. a, like a CG. It needs to look like something tangible, like a real fucking sword. If they fuck magic up, I'm, 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 oh, I'll be so pissed off. I will be and so pissed off. And this is the thing off. too, like if you've ever gone up to any cosplayers at any kind who's got one of those kind of swords. Yeah. Like the weight on them usually isn't too bad. Right. I mean, they're intricate, really well done. And these are people doing it on their own fucking budget. Right. You'd think that they'd be able to come up with something like that that would work great. Yeah. For a fucking TV show. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. So if they, if they screw up, I love magic. She's so fucking cool. Like I was like, I was reading Extraordinary X-Men with Jeff Lemire. And when she showed up, I was like, Oh, as long as she's in the book, I'll, I'll, st- I'll, I'll stick on it. And, uh, she's, she's just such an awesome character. She's so fucking cool. And if they screw her up, I'll be pissed off. But, um, I don't know what they think. I don't know if they know what they're doing at the universe yet because Boris Kitt from, uh, the Hollywood Reporter recently tweeted on New Mutants, other rumored castings, James McAvoy as Professor X, not true. Uh-huh. He is not in the movie per sources. So this huh. sounds legit, it, and and this was a rumor that James McAvoy was going to come back in New Mutants as Professor X, maybe a cameo, but like this would kind of like connect the universe. It does not sound James McAvoy is not going to come back. It sounds like. So, are you guys hoping that the, like New Mutants is its own thing, or maybe if it's maybe it's even connected to like the Deadpool universe as opposed to like the fucking you know Dark Phoenix movie that's coming out. Oh, that'd be interesting. I would much rather see that be its own thing, or like you said, loosely connected to something like Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, just like cam, like a cameo, or you know what I mean, a cameo of like Maisie Williams showing up in a Deadpool film, or you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I you really I, even need it at this point. If it's good on its own, it can be good on its own and then let it stretch its legs from there. Yeah, but that's a fun thing about Deadpool is him showing up, like Jake said, him showing up in other movies. I, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the original argument of Deadpool showing up in like the Dark Phoenix universe, like with, uh, right. you know, like, uh, um, that whole thing. Cause that's established. That's like the Singerverse, you know, extended, yeah. you know. I'm not talking about Deadpool showing, I want Deadpool separate. I don't want him showing up in that. But if they're gonna do a new mutants movie that's not connected to that universe, then I wouldn't mind Deadpool showing up in one of these films, or vice versa. 
I just don't want Deadpool showing. I don't want them to use Deadpool to like lift up the singer verse. Yeah, don't use him as a crutch. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. There was a few shining stars in there, but I'm ready for the singer verse to just be done and just move on to something hopefully that'll be a little bit better. Yeah. So yeah, I and you know the Deadpool, Deadpool's off to a good start. And so I really like that idea that maybe it could tie into that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you're right. It did have some shining stuff. Evan Peters is Quicksilver. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but th- I mean, that started, that didn't, I mean, that started in, um, Days of Future Past, which Singer, he, he directed it, but I mean, that movie was pretty much done. It was in the can before he jumped on there. Matthew Vaughn did most of the work. So, yeah. anyway. Uh, guys, we talked earlier about Doug Lyman. Uh, Doug Lyman was set to direct the Gambit movie at one time. He dropped off. Uh, in an interview with We Got This Covered, he revealed why. He said, I look for a personal connection to the movies I make, and it may not be immediately obvious. You know, like, what's my connection to Jason Bourne? I have a deeply personal connection to that movie because it's all about Iran-Contra, and my father ran investigations into Iran-Contra. And every story, I have a personal connection. The Wall, you'd be like, what could make this filmmaker from New York possibly... What could this filmmaker from New York possibly have in common with these two soldiers pinned down in Iraq? But The Wall is really about perseverance. It's about picking yourself up, and you just can keep going, and that's something I have firsthand experience with. Not in war, but in other aspects of life. With Gambit, I just never found that personal way in. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, that's that was his quote. So he had no personal connection to it. Um, does, does a guy not like Cajun food? I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I I'm glad that he finally released a statement, though, as to why he dropped off the film. Um, I don't know if I'm buying it 100. Um, percent you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying it 100%. Like, I, I honestly thought, like, when he signed on, like, Gambit is in good hands now. You got your actor. You got Channing Tatum. You got Doug Lyman. This movie's going to be – this movie could be good. It doesn't It doesn't have to be like a uh, end-of-the-world type X-Men movie either where they're battling apocalypse. It can be a very personal story about the Thieves Guild and be – it could be good. Um, but now Doug – this movie is just in like limbo, just like magic. Do you think it's one of those issues where the story that they're wanting these guys to tell is all about the stupid ass connected universe shit? Yeah, I mean that that, that, that could be it. I mean, you know, it, it's also it's Doug Lyman. You know, I mean, it, it could be like yeah, like creative differences. Like I don't I don't know if I can pinpoint it, Frank, but it could be creative differences, um, and then. But you know, so that's that's why it's nice to. And Doug Lyman's a dis, an established director and, and producer and, and writer. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, Marvel lucks out. They get a guy like James Gunn, who's uh, you know coming off of doing a movie like Super, and who hasn't done like the Joss Whedon too, coming straight from TV. You know, it's yep. you know Marvel gets lucky and they pick the right guys that just do these great movies, and then. You know, Fox is chasing guys like Darren Aronofsky and Doug Lyman. These guys, they, and, and, and Warner Brothers with Robert Zemeckis. These guys don't have to do these movies. These movies need them way more than they need these movies. 
Right, so. which usually signifies trouble when these guys who've done quality work step back and they don't want to taint themselves with bullshit. Yeah, I mean, you can also look mm-hmm. at it from the other angle, though. Every once in a while, you know, you, you, you don't get a James Gunn. You don't get a Joss Whedon. You get a Josh Trank, you know. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back, guys. Copy. All right, we're back. We're gonna fly through this. This, this is—it's Marvel news, but it's not news. It's—I don't know. It's just this is just like uh, I might as well just throw this shit on bite-sized leftovers on iTunes because this is like anyway. Uh, Dave Bautista—he plays Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, he's gonna be in the new Blade Runner movie. Oh. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him in that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope he's good in it, man. I, like, yeah, me too. Crazy. This wrestler. This wrestler does. Uh, you know, man with the iron fist. That, then he breakout role in Drax, and now he's getting to work under Denny Villeneuve. Unbel- unbelievable. I hope. I hope he's good in it. I hope he's good in it, man. His character, and he's got glasses on. Like, who, who is he supposed to be? Is right. Is he? Yeah, in- he looked interesting. Is he an android? Is he a replicant? I don't. I, I don't know, man. It's crazy. He's not. You know, if he's a replicant, that's going to be kind of cool to see. Like, you know, Ryan Gosling as a Blade Runner trying to take this guy down. I don't know. It's going to be pretty cool. Right. Anyway, back to Dave Bautista uh, in Marvel news. He was talking to. He was on Chris Jericho's podcast. Uh, the uh, the wrestler Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho said. Uh, how do you feel like when you walk into the room or whatever it is, table read or something, and Robert Downey Jr. is there? Did you do some scenes with Iron Man? Dave Batista, Dave Batista says, um, Chris says, yes. And he goes, he just starts laughing. And I'm sure he sounds like Drax when he laughs in real life. And, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this confirms that we're going to see Drax and Iron Man in a scene together at least. So... The Guardians and Iron Man meeting up. Very cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So just a little bit of news. Just wanted to throw it out there, but something to kind of like wet our palates and get us excited. (laughs) Anyway, uh, a news outlet recently reported that Natalie Portman will not be in Thor Ragnarok as Jane Foster. We talked about it on the show. And uh, even Portman herself, she said, uh, she was quoted as saying, as far as I know, I'm done. So it's not like, as far as I (laughs) Yeah, it's not like as far as I know, you know, I'm not coming back for, you know, Ragnarok. It's basically like the whole universe. I'm done. So anyway, uh, Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi recently tweeted a picture of Natalie Portman, age 13, in uh, Leon the Professional. Have you guys seen that movie? No. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Isn't it so great? It is really good. Yeah. You know, my mom, my mom doesn't like, uh, like the action type movies. I, uh, I may, I had my mom watch, uh, this movie and my mom loved it. It's, it, it, it is fantastic. Yeah. You're, t- we're talking about like a really young teenage Natalie Portman, Frank. You, you've, I own this movie on DVD. If you ever want to check it out, it, it, it's fantastic. Joe, you loved it too. Oh yeah. It's really good. Um, oh, what is, what is that? Who's the guy who actually plays Leon in it? Yeah, the French actor. I can never think of his name. But... The villain is Gary Oldman. 
Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And yeah. then uh, young Natalie Portman just totally knocks it out of the park. Yeah. And wow, it's 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 basically a revenge movie, Frank. Oh, wow. This girl's, this girl's character gets gunned down. She kind of saves up some money. She knows that her neighbor is a hitman, and she hires him to teach her how to get revenge on her murdered family. Oh, that's cool as shit. Or for her murdered family, not on them. But yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. I really like her. Uh, there was a film that she did, and I can't for the life of me remember it, where uh, it follows her life. Like, I think she gives birth in, like, a Walmart or something. Oh. Have you guys ever seen this? Yes. I can't think of the name of it. Like, and then she wins a small amount of money and buys a car or something. Yes, I haven't seen that since it first came out, but I, I did like that movie. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, me either. Yeah. And, and it was really good. Yeah. That, that bums me out now that I can't think of the name of it. I'm going to have to check it out on IMDb later or something. Yeah. But um, he, uh, Taika Waititi tweeted a picture of Natalie Portman, age 13, and Leon the Professional. Uh, side by side with her at age nineteen in Where the Heart Is is that the movie? And that might be it. Yeah. I think that's right. Along with the caption, "Heed the signs" and hashtag Ragnarok. Okay, that's very cryptic. Very cryptic. Uh, in both of the pictures, she's holding a plant, like in Leon the Professional when she buys the plant. And in this Where the Heart Is, she's holding a plant. It says, heed the signs and Ragnarok. So did they slip her in for like a post credit scene or are they, or, 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 or is he just teasing like a, heed the signs. Is he teasing like a, uh, like a Jane Foster Easter egg? Like she's not going to be in the film, but like look out for a, uh, Jane Foster Easter egg in the film or something. I, 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 I just, I have a hard time thinking that she made it into the actual film itself. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Man, I don't even know what they could be doing. Yeah. It's very cryptic, so. It's really weird. Yeah. And with plants, is she gonna, is she gonna have like another Groot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she grew her own Groot. Uh. <laughs> Jane Jane Foster has uh she's quit her job and become a horticulturist. And uh <laughs> she starts up a relationship with Groot. That's where the army of baby Groots is gonna come right. into play, right? He's gonna show her the he's gonna show <laughs> all, her All of a sudden you're gonna see like her fucking giving birth from episode three and an army of these fucking things flying out of her vagina. No, it's it's <laughs> it's it's, it's gonna be a uh Jane Foster Groot movie. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the catchphrase or whatever, it's gonna be, uh, uh, he's gonna show her the true meaning of wood. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on the poster. I, t- I took a long time to get to that joke, but, uh, <laughs> we finally, we finally got there. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. He'd probably be the worst fucking lover. He can't hit a giant red button when it's pointed to. How's he gonna find the clitoris? <laughs> Yeah, I just God damn it, Groot, not there either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Rockets tried to explain it to him using the man in the boat analogy. <laughs> it looks like a man in a boat. <laughs> uh, Red Rocket. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Uh, 
All right, guys, I found this interesting. Uh, it's about what studio has rights to who and what. And it was uh, Kevin Feige talking to Slash Film specifically about how the Watchers showed up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I guess it was believed that they were a Fantastic Four property, so they would be owned by Fox. Here's what Kevin said. There's joint custody with a number of things. There are certain characters that they have, but races that we share, if that makes sense. So basically, basically what he's saying with this statement is the race can be used, but Marvel not, might not be able to use the actual name Uatu. So like the same goes for like Fox and Marvel when it comes to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. So like they can't be mutants or the son and daughter of Magneto in the MCU. Right. And yes, I, guys, I know comic book guys. I know that they aren't mutants anymore. That's been retconned. Um, as far as I know that, that aren't, aren't they in humans now? That got retconned that they're not mutants anymore and they're, or they're not mutants and, and they're not the, 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 they're not the, the children of Magneto. I thought that that was retconned unless they changed that again. But, uh, in the Fox movies, they can't call, Quicksilver, Quicksilver, or Scarlet Witch. So those names belong to Marvel Studios. So he goes by Pietro. So, you know, like if you watch Evan Peters in the Fox movies, they never call him Quicksilver. He's right. So I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it's kind of interesting that they can kind of share that shit. Um, What's also kind of crazy is like Marvel TV can use any character that they want to. So like, huh. yeah, Marvel wow. TV could make a Fantastic Four TV show if they wanted to. They could do Wolverine shit too. Yeah, they could make a Wolverine TV show. They own the rights to the television stuff, which is why Fox couldn't do Legion without getting Marvel involved. That's right. Okay. Le- yeah. Yeah, because Legion. Wow. Legion's an X-Men character, so like they could make a right. Legion movie, no problem, if they wanted to, or introduce the character into the movie universe. But as far as the TV stuff, Fox only owns the film rights. They don't own the TV side stuff. That's why, that's why, like, the Fantastic Four could show up in a, in a Spider-Man cartoon. Wow. All this fucking legal bullshit, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I hope this fucking new Spider-Man stuff is a massive fucking success Mm -hmm. to teach these fuckers to work together because none of us give a flying fuck what the name behind the studio is that gives us the good stuff. We just want the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last thing, and then we're going to wrap up. Adam Warlock won't be showing up in Infinity War. Here's what James Gunn said to IGN about this Sovereign and Elizabeth Debicki's character of Aisha and their future in the MCU films. Uh, I absolutely plan on bringing Elizabeth Debicki back. Uh, she's actually one of my favorite actors I've ever worked with. I think on this movie between her, Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis, and Chris Sullivan, who plays Taserface, they really were three of the best actors I've ever worked with and were all such a joy on this film to deal with that I would love to deal with them again. He said that Warlock wouldn't show up until Volume 3, which will be after the Infinity War movie, so... I think it's a little strange because I think Warlock, Adam Warlock, is kind of integral to the Infinity War story, but that's not the story they're going with here. So I'm guessing that Adam Warlock is going to be the villain for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
It seems to fit. Yeah. And they've gone other ways with other things before with success. I mean, Civil War didn't go down exactly the way it did in the comics either. So, and yeah. I and now I say that without knowing what went down in the Infinity Wars in the comics. I have not read those, so I don't know how very integral he is. But I mean, they did pull off Civil War without having like Spidey's big reveal and shit, mm-hmm. which was huge in the comics. Yeah, but it was still Cap versus you know Iron Man. So we're right. It's just it's just weird that Adam Warlock is not going to be involved with this story with Thanos, and and I thought that that's why they were introducing him into you know Volume Two. Spoilers, but uh, no, he's not going to show up again until Volume Three, um, cool. which is going to be set four years after. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So, all right, guys, that is our show. I don't know. I, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to, to wrap it on. I know, Stark, I want you definitely to talk about your podcast again. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything more to add. So, yeah, I, I could talk a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, well, uh, I mean, <laughs> all right. Uh, no, no, fuck it. You're not going to get to talk about it now. I'm pulling it. I'm t- <laughs> well, no, I was thinking about, I was still thinking about the Adam Warlock thing and I was. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go ahead. If you have something to add about Adam Warlock, I'm fucking with you anyway. If you. Had- <laughs> um, okay. The Adam Warlock thing, you know, but when I saw that news blurb, my first thought is, is this just James Gunn just saying, you know, no, this isn't how it's going to go yeah. because, you know, they don't want to give more away or because it does seem a little silly that they'd, they'd bring that up and then not have it in Infinity War. But right. you know, like Frank said, they are, you know, going off book successfully with in, in some areas. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, you would imagine that, that we would be able to see like Adam Warlock come out of the co- co- uh, cocoon for the first time on screen. And this is set four years later. So is he just like cooking in there for the next four years? <laughs> <laughs> What's the gestation time on an Adam Warlock? Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, Adam Warlock, Thanos, two Jim Starlin characters that played such a, you know, gig- a huge role in the Infinity Gauntlet and. One of them's not going to be showing up in Infinity War. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. All right. Do it. For whatever. The, for all the things that we've gotten out of James Gunn, and he interacts with the fans a lot, has he ever really given us any indication that he does the bait and switch shit, really? No. No. As far as I know. I mean, he, he, he told us that the cocoon in Thor, uh, the Dark World... Or no, the the cocoon that showed up in the collectors. Excuse me, the, the cocoon that showed up in the collectors' um, uh, chamber or whatever the fuck you want to call it. His collection, his museum, was not Adam Warlock, and he didn't lie. It was just some rando cocoon. Apparently, there's a uh, I don't know, like a, a cocoon outlet somewhere out in space, and uh, <laughs> so it, he, he didn't lie. This is a new cocoon, so. Wouldn't it be great if, like, that cocoon opened and it was, like, one of those cocoons from that movie Cocoon? Cocoon! <laughs> like, Wasn't it. Steve Gutenberg in that? Yeah, Steve Gutenberg and uh, Wilford Brimley. Brimley. Jessica. Before he talked about nothing but diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Tandy from, uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. 
I remember my mom and dad watching the shit out of that movie, and every time they put it in, I was like, fuck, I gotta watch the old people again? Oh, I know. I know. Gosh, uh, old people in science fiction. Weird. I always thought that that was, like, akin to On fucking Golden Pond. I don't want to watch old people. It's like it's like they took uh, it's like they took Close Encounters and Golden Girls and said, "Ah, let's make these two fuck each other." <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it's like 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 we're old people going to the theater in droves to watch this shit. Like, who the fuck were they trying to get their butts and seats to watch that fucking movie? You know, right? I don't see people. No shit. I don't see kids in like their twenties or teenagers being like, "Oh yeah, let's watch the old people science fiction movie." Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. At that time, what I was fucking watching was fucking Mannequin, and then watching. Oh Jesus, what's her name? Damn it, Kelly. Wait. Oh, I know who you're talking. Sex and oh, City Lady. Fuck. Oh man, Mannequin. That's uh, yeah. Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Kim Cattrall. Yes, thank you. I watched that, and then I fucking watched Porky's, where she was the chick that wouldn't quit fucking screaming. Oh yeah. They called yeah. her the Howler. You remember? Yeah, I remember the Howler. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that, that's what I was fucking checking yeah. out. My mom and dad are watching fucking Cocoon. Yeah, you find out at the end of the movie why she was called the Howler. So, yeah, he's sucking yeah. stuff in gym socks in her mouth. You know, they, they never came out with cocoon action figures, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wilford Brimley, now, now with his diabetes test strip. and uh, <laughs> Here's Jessica. Sports free test strips. Jessica Tandy with her walker, and it's got, like, little fucking, like, little tennis balls on the, yeah. They all come with a warning, the hips may break with rough play. Right. <laughs> Oh, bad. All What's right. What's the warranty on this? Two seconds. That is our episode. I don't even know how long. It is a long one, I think. It feels long. I don't know. That is what she said. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, that, come on. Come on. That's, oh, come on. You no, dropped that right in my just, lap, man. It feels long. <laughs> no, it's just, ah, oh, jeez. It's, that's too easy. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little whiskey in this guy, I swear. Yeah, this 32-ounce <laughs> cup is dry. Yeah. All right, yeah, um, we'll see you next week. Hoping, hoping, I'm hoping Jake will be back next week. But, yeah, is it Alien Covenant next week? I think so. Yeah, I'll be hopefully seeing yeah. that in theaters and talking about that. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, check out StartCast. Uh, who, when's your next episode? Um... I don't know. I actually have to get one recorded. I don't have one in the can right now. <laughs> well, listen to the listen to the last one, everybody. Dan West, who's been on our show multiple times, shows up, and uh, it's a fantastic episode. I was mowing my lawn, and uh, I listened to the entire episode, and it was it was great. I loved it. I mean, you guys get into a lot of different stuff. Like the conversation starts with traveling, and then the conversation travels, and you guys are talking about <laughs> anything but traveling. It was. It was absolutely amazing. I learned a lot more about Dan that I didn't know, and uh, it was a great conversation, man. You guys, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a great podcast. More more people should be listening to StartCast. So definitely subscribe to it, listen to it. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. And uh, Yep, and then I got the, the comic cast also with Jordan, and hopefully we'll be getting onto a better schedule with that where we can get a little bit more regular. But um, 
Yeah, it can get tough when you're doing multiple podcasts to get weekly ones in like that. Yeah. We're getting it figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's gotta be tough doing like a, a weekly two different weekly podcasts. It's gotta be it's gotta be especially like scheduling wise. Like I do like American Gods after show, but it's like it's like an eight episode season. So it's like eight weeks and I'm out, you know? See ya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can't imagine with having... all this old people talk. The first thing I think of when he says he needs to get regular is Benefiber. <laughs> you were thinking of that that whole time, Frank. Yeah, but I didn't want to cut you off. You were you were holding on to that one, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> holding on to it like somebody who needs Benefiber. This is true. <laughs> oh man, prune juice. That's what we got. That's what we got to look forward to, though, guys. Oh. We're going Shit. that way. I mean, every every passing day, we're going to be next year. I watched a commercial the other day, and it was this uh, Latino woman, and she's doing some kind of like uh, dance on TV, and she's they, they show her putting on her Depends. And she's like, <laughs> basically saying, I don't have to worry about, you know, pissing myself when I'm dancing. That's basically, I mean, can't, uh, hold on. Like, I don't give a fuck if you are wearing like, uh, you know, adult diapers. If you're dancing and you piss yourself and you continue to dance, <laughs> that's fucked up. The only thing better would be if they cut away to the chick dancing in the fucking rain. <laughs> I just think She's it's wet everywhere. I just think it's a weird way to promote like adult diapers. Like, oh, don't worry. You can do all the wonderful things that you do and continue to do them with piss soaked <laughs> pants. <laughs> you know, it's fucked up. Like at some point, you might think about think, that. I need hey, a moment to go change myself. Think about that, Joe. You know what? You can continue to rock climb all the fuck you want, man. It, you don't have to stop. You know, you just take a little break, and your Belair's like, "What are you doing up there?" It's like, "Uh, I'm good." <laughs> Somehow, I got the feeling when you go rock climbing with Joe. You don't want to be the dude, like, anchoring the shit, being below him. All of a sudden, you're fucking getting rained on. Just you. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, like, uh, and like, what, what's fucked up about, like, diapers in general is, like, the amount of moisture they claim that these things will hold. Like, how fucking long do you think these people have these on? Like, they'll tell you, like, you'll read, like, diapers, like, it'll hold, like, 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 liters or quarts or whatever of piss. How long are you leaving your fucking diapers on your kids for that to even max out at? <laughs> You've got to be the shittiest fucking parent if you're like, uh, yeah, I think, I still think we got a quart to go, honey. You know? That's fucked up. No, your kid pisses their <laughs> pants, you take them off. You know, After you've had a kid for a while, you don't even like need to check it with your hand or anything. You can kind of just get a visual with like how big the bulge is around their butt. Yeah, I'm yeah. just <laughs> I'm just glad that when I get to an age, I can just continue to stay active and just piss myself and not care. <laughs> you know, it does sound really free. Easy access to an outside door, man. Yeah, can We're you talking about that earlier? Let the air flow between them guys you know yeah grandpa don't give a shit let's go ice skating let's go ice skating kids i don't give a shit i'll just piss myself out there on the fucking ice it don't matter <laughs> don't eat the yellow snow <laughs> uh, now 
now I don't worry about you know, I don't, it's, now I don't worry about going out there with the grandchildren. Uh, we can stay out there, and I can just piss myself. Just- <laughs> and, and, and this is what's fucked up, dude. Like, I have encountered before people who have very evidently shit themselves. Oh. And, like, you could tell a fart lingers for a bit and goes away. Yeah. If you're, like, somewhere locked in with these people and you got to sit, like, for a while, if you're at a concert, movie or whatever, restaurant, these fuckers are sitting in it. And you can smell. You know the difference between a fart and a fucking turd. Yeah. When 45 minutes goes by and it's still just as strong... That's an issue. You might yeah. want to go get yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's also kind of a dead giveaway when they get up from the table and they're walking away like a gunslinger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sword partner. Yeah. Dude, years and years ago, I worked for a company doing window tinting and custom blind installations, and we won a a bid to do a old folks home, and so I had to go and put blinds in in every single room in this. And it was like a three or four day project. And after the first day, I carried a book of matches in my pocket because there were some rooms you'd walk in and go, whoa, that person just shit their pants. Uh huh. And I'm going to be All in right. here long enough to get these blinds installed. And so I'd walk in and say, whoa, I'd pull out a match. I'd light it. I'd wave it around. <laughs> <laughs> and that exists. And, 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 and fuck the people who are going to sit here and be like, oh, you guys shouldn't be making fun of old people. My fucking dad's in a nursing home with Alzheimer's. I've cleaned fucking nursing homes when I worked for a carpet cleaning company. And any fucking CNA is going to tell you this shit exists. It just is. So get over it. Don't be bitchy. I worked at a, when I was a teenager, I, uh, I worked at a, uh, nursing home, uh, for a very short time. But, uh, there was this old lady and she, she asked me, she's like, can you come here? And I said, sure. She's like, can you help me up real quick? I said, okay. So uh, she, like, put her hand on my shoulder, and I proceeded mm-hmm. to help her stand. She stood and dropped the biggest fucking fart <laughs> ever in all of humankind. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, this woman was probably, like, you know, probably, like, 86 years old. She'd probably been holding it in there for, like, since she was, like, 81 or some shit. <laughs> Like, you see a little poof of smoke come out of yeah. her ass? This is like, it stayed in there longer than Adam Warlock in his fucking cocoon. <laughs> and by, it was twice as evil when it came out. It was, no, like, I literally saw it. And then I. Was <laughs> <laughs> it like looking at the genie coming out of Aladdin's lamp? No, it, no, it was more like uh, the fucking, like, uh, what, uh, what's his name? Ezra Miller turned into in. Uh, Fantastic Beast, that black fucking smoke and shit. Uh, it was disgusting. I'll tell you that much. She, she, like, I thought I was helping her up. Like, she just wanted to get up so she could, like, you know, like, do get up and move around. And no, she wanted me to lift her up because she couldn't fart when she was sitting down. Her butthole needed to be. She needed to be vertical to fart. Like that's, you know. <laughs> she, it's fucked up. Like that, that's what we have to look forward to. Like, like we can't even fart seated when we get older. Right. Right. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Back when we were uh, 
like just out of high school. Yeah. I worked at Walmart as a stockman. And as a stockman, you all had to like clean the bathrooms and shit. Yeah. Like if there was a spill or whatever, you were the fucker that had to go clean it up. Oh, I got a story and, when you're done, Frank. I got a story when you're done, Chief. You go for it. Tell me. I got a call one night yeah. and uh, on the little walkie-talkie thing, and I got told that a lady had shit on the floor. Well, what they didn't fucking tell me was she didn't just shit in one little spot. Mm-hmm. It was like she had, like, machine gun farts that she was dropping little, like, fucking turd puddles oh, like, uh, throughout the store. This, uh, cool. I had to be like a fucking bloodhound and follow it like a trail to see where she had been. Wow. I that, finally... Oh. I followed it all the way. Like, it started at the front of the store, and there was bathrooms in the front there, and there was bathrooms in the back. And it's like she didn't realize she was doing it. So it's like I was following her path of consciousness of the things she was looking at buying and watching <laughs> shit herself in the store. And then when I finally traced it all the way back to the back bathroom, the bubbles are getting bigger and bigger. And I go into the ladies' room, and there's these massive fucking soiled moo-moo panties on the fucking toilet seat. Uh, (laughs) It's fucking gross. Well, sure, it's (laughs) gross. Now, see, we went from talking about Cocoon to talking about the elderly shitting themselves. Like, this is horrible. (laughs) This is – it's part – it's going to happen to us too, guys. I mean, it's just going to happen. We're just going to be old people. Yeah, but you got to own it. Like, you just – you can't avoid it. Just like everybody's going to kick the bucket. It is going to happen. Right, yeah. You just – like, you get older and, like, you just have no control over your rectum anymore. It's just like (laughs) – it does what it wants. It's like fucking, it's a rebel, man. You're like, whatever, fuck it. I'm going to shit right now all over the place. Anyway. What's <laughs> your story, dude? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. So, okay. I, we're going to end this, I swear. But I, I was, when I was, a, when I was a teenager, I worked at McDonald's. This is a true story. I worked at McDonald's and, uh, after a certain point, like the, the guy, like, uh, who did like the janitorial stuff would leave. And so every once in a while we'd have to clean the bathrooms. Well, um, I, uh, my manager says, apparently a kid shit out in Playland and, <laughs> and we need you to go clean it up. So like, I've got like the rubber, the, you know, yellow rubber gloves on and I've got like, uh, I've got a bag and I've got like some cleaner, some disinfectant and, uh. I've got to follow this one little kid like this, like, you know, all, there's a bunch of kids out there. They do. This is kind of this is crazy because there's like a bunch of little kids out in Playland. Nobody's playing. OK, because there's like this rogue turd out there. Right. <laughs> like it's a fucking crime scene. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. So exactly. So like everybody has kind of like gotten out of like the, the tunnels and shit like that and and the ropes and stuff. Nobody's sliding down slides. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, where the shit is. And, like, none of the kids, like, everybody knows that there's shit out there, but nobody knows where it is except for, like, this one kid. This one kid is, like, you know, like the leader or some shit, and, like, he knows where that piece of shit is. And so, like, the one kid's like, I saw it over there. And so I was like, can you take me to it? And so, like, I have to crawl through one of the tubes, and the kid's there with me. And then here we are. We're like inside one of these things. So like, of course, it's got to be in like a fucking like uh, one of the tubes, and it's incubating and shit. But it's like, <laughs> it's actually it's a clean. It's like when you walk out of the tube, you actually walk into like a like a room, like a plastic room or whatever the hell. And there's a mat on the floor, 
and it's a turd. It's like a kid took a shit there, came like came out of his <laughs> pants. So there's like a piece of shit laying there on this mat, right? I'm like, dude, I don't even want to touch with this with the gloves. Nothing. I, you know, like I didn't like when I woke up that morning. I was like, man, I never thought to myself I'd be in a situation where I'd have to be picking up a kid's shit. You know, I'm not, and I'm not. A, you know, I was a teenager, and I've never, I've never cleaned a diaper to this day. You know, I'm a grown man. I don't have any kids. I've never cleaned a diaper. Anyway, so I was like, I didn't want to touch this dude, and so like all these kids are watching me. Wait, like, I, like, I got an audience, you know? <laughs> so I've got all these kids watching me. Like, I, oh, he's going to pick up the shit. And, you know, here we go. <laughs> and so what I did was it's on a mat, dude. Oh, man. This, this was amazing. This was amazing. I pushed the mat together and then I snapped it back to where the shit flew up in the air, right? <laughs> I pulled the bag out and the the turd is like just like, you know, slow motion flying in the air, twisting and turning, you know. I think it did like a I don't know, what's that skating movie? It did like an ollie in the air or something. And then I pulled the bag open and the sh- the the shit falls into the bag and it was so cute. The kids started clapping. <laughs> like they were watching the shittiest live action version of the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was it was pretty hilarious because like some of the kids they saw me catch the shit in the bag and then like a few of the kids just started clapping like it was so cute. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. That was the day I caught shit in a bag. <laughs> it made me think of Tom Cruise and cocktail. Oh yeah. <laughs> Chuckle of the uh, uh, yeah. Are you basically saying that I could do this on a janitorial level? <laughs> oh, fuck a bar sitting there clapping for you. Whoa. Yeah. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise is pouring drinks, and I'm uh, cleaning up shit. You're slinging turds. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of shit, let's wrap this episode. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week with episode 187. Uh, we'll be talking, hopefully talking some Alien Covenant. Hopefully, hopefully Jake will be back. I wanted to thank Frank for joining me. And also, Joe Stark, first-time guest. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, thank you. Absolutely, guys. What the fuck were you doing, Frank? What the hell is that shit? I said word. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> what it sound like? It's not. It sounded like you go. Brr. It sounded like yeah. Uh, it sounded like no. it sounded like you jumped forward like forty years and had like a bow movement, like one of the elderly people we were talking about earlier. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see here. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for listening and thank you for your patronage. Uh, yeah, I said those out of order. We'll see you next week. The poopy bags. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. 
They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap!